0: Poder expresar con mi voz lo que llevo por dentro, hacerles a ustedes sentir sensaciones grandiosas y en siete notas conjugar cantando muchas cosas. Y cuando la magia de algún son invade poco a poco el corazón, me envuelvo con su ritmo sabroso y el sentimiento, siento los cueros repicar.
1: Good morning everyone. Bye. Buenos dias a Toro. Gracias por escuchar. Thank you so much for listening. Hoy celebramos a Celia Cruz y todo lo que hizo por la música en Cuba. So today we're celebrating Celia Cruz and all that she has done as it relates to music uh, and our recognition of Cuba. So we're going to be playing her music today all throughout the show it is hashtag wcw woman crush wednesday or as i like to say we celebrate women today is also our day (laughs) march the 8th it's a day for women international women's day as we continue to honor women throughout the month of march which is also women's history month Queen
2: Sugar.
1: I'm hoping this music is putting you in a good mood, getting you ready to start your day, or depending on where you are in the world.
0: Take it out. De mi amada tierra, una mano alante, una mano atrás. Salvo muchos sueños, no me traje nada más. Y llegué a esta tierra sola, donde soy extraña, tierra del jambé. If
1: you're in your car driving and someone is looking at you because you're dancing and looking a little crazy, that's okay. Just smile right back at them. Spread that good cheer. world be like if you did not need visas or passports to visit other countries. You could just move about freely. That would be so beautiful. For me at least. It's time for us to go ahead and get started. I'm enjoying myself a little bit too much. 16 after the top of the hour. It's time for us to talk about what's coming up today. Gotta give a big thank you and good morning to everyone listening around the world. Logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com and Janoradio.com. Good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. Thank you so much. It is Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. Can you imagine? The year just started and already we are in March. But anyway, it is hashtag WCW. We celebrate women. Thank you so much for joining me for Coffee and Toll World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. You can find me on TikTok, Moments with Me Media, on Instagram, Moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and on Twitter, Me Media Moments. And the mean everything is MI. When you find me, follow, like, share, comment, spread the love. all right and here are the headlines we have coming up for you today out of the caribbean corner prime minister says antigua seems to be alone in plans for a new liat Barbados to establish embassy in ireland Grenada announces electricity subsidy for low-income households. In Jamaica, well, no, not Jamaica, this is Trinidad and Tobago, my apologies, Scotiabank records its highest annual growth rate. Out of Jamaica, British forensic firm Crowell Associates UK joins in the SSL probe. They say the national minimum wage is set to increase in April uh also there's you know in the budget debate they said no new taxes we're gonna have those stories and more out of the caribbean corner in latin america uh mexican visa new appointments available until march 31st and that's in haiti our survivors of deadly mexico abduction have been returned to the u.s and mexican authorities have arrested one suspect so far On the international scene, Greek workers join a walkout over deadly train crash and call protests. United Nations says malnutrition in mothers soars in crisis-hit countries. In news out of North America, the California governor uh, is to cut ties with Walgreens after they decide to stop carrying abortion drugs in 20 states. Oh, boy. In business and tech news... uh, Uber is making it easier for you to find your ride at the airport. Well, that's a welcome thing. I always wonder how people are able to pick out their vehicles correctly because we have heard stories of people getting into the wrong vehicles. In health and science news, uh, FDA is um, reporting that two more eye drops brands have been recalled due to risks. So we definitely want to check in for that. Lifestyle: JetBlue will offer flights to Paris. Did I say right? Paris, Paris, wee oui, wee. Oui. Starting in June, tickets as low as four hundred and seventy-nine dollars. Yep. What is Women's Intern International Women's Day? Sorry, and why is it important? We're going to talk about that. All right. We have the details of those stories and more, and of course, great conversation coming up. Here's a little bit more from Celia Cruz.
2: Thank you.
1: Are you ready for her name? Let me give you her full name. Ursula Hilaria Celia de la Caridad Cruz Alfonso. Don't ask. Cubans tend to have very long names, folks. Born October 21st,
0: 1925, in Havana, Cuba.
1: So let me explain to you part of the reason why their names are long. Their their last names always include their mom and their dad. so alfonso is the mother's last name and that goes at the very end and then cruz is her dad and that goes before yeah so there you have it in our custom it would be al um cruz full stop right and that's your father's name but no they put the mother's name last name as the last name of the child You want to know why she is so famous celia cruz she had a career that lasted more than 60 years but more importantly she helped popularize salsa music in the united states by celebrating her cuban culture she also helped afro latino americans embrace their own heritage many people were not aware that the afro community is very big in cuba Come to Miami and you go to Calle Ocho, 8th Street. You will definitely hear her songs bellowing through the speakers all over. Many Cuban restaurants play her music. It is 25 after the top of the hour. You gotta be somewhere at the bottom. You got five minutes to get
0: there.
1: Today we are honoring Celia Cruz through music. It is hashtag WCW, we celebrate women. It is also International Women's Day, and we are in the month of March that we're celebrating Women's History
2: Month.
0: I'm going
1: Squeeze in one more and then we're gonna go ahead and get started. Jando in QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com. Good morning to all our listeners around the world logged on to QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com. Of course, I have to say good morning to my studio audience courtesy of Clubhouse. Thank you so much for being here for Coffee and Talk. We're gonna kick it off in just a couple of seconds. Azucar
0: Negra.
2: Ay, me gusta
1: y me black sugar.
0: Azucar,
1: azucar negra. Ay, me gusta y me black and sweet. Ay, you know what they say the black of the berry, the sweeter the juice. Thank you, Celia. And now it's time for us to go ahead and get started. For our first story, we go to Antigua. Prime Minister says Antigua seems to be alone in plans for a new Liat. Story courtesy of Caribbean.LoopNews.com. Antigua and Barbuda Prime Minister Gaston Brown says the island seems to be on its own with regard to the establishment of a new company to replace Liat in 1974 Limited, which collapsed in 2020. The Antigua-based Liat 1974 Limited entered into administration in July 2020 following increased debt and the impact of the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. The airline is owned by the governments of Antigua and Barbuda, Barbados, Dominica and St. Vincent and the Grenadines. A downsized version of the carrier has been operating a reduced schedule with a limited workforce since November 2020. But Brown said he now recognizes that Antigua and Barbuda is practically standing alone in terms of having an entity that is owned by a group of governments. What seems to be the prevailing thinking at this time is that most heads are of the view that these are sufficient assets within the region. In fact, There is a study that was done by the Caribbean Development Bank as well as the OECS, Organization of Eastern Caribbean States, and that was the meeting I attended in St. Lucia, and the consensus was that there are sufficient assets to service the region. Brown said that there are primarily private sector-held assets, and they don't see the need for the governments to invest in any national airline or regional airline. Last month, Caribbean community CARICOM leaders ended their 44th regular summit in the Bahamas, nowhere closer to solving the woes being experienced by regional travelers following the collapse of the intra-regional airline, Liat, in 2020. This is such a shame, Um, you know, that we can't appreciate our own, and it's so, uh, yesterday when I was reading the story, was it yesterday or Monday? I can't remember. But I was reading the story about, um, was it United Airlines or Delta making flights, increasing their flights to the Caribbean, specifically to Jamaica. And as I was reading the story, I'm saying to myself, if Jamaica has shares, they are um, stakeholders in Caribbean Airlines, why aren't we capitalizing on that? Meaning, why is it that we're not increasing flights from these regions to bring into the Caribbean? Why, is it, why don't we have first dibs on that? Shouldn't the goal be to build up the regional airline? That should be the goal. Instead, we have other stakeholders making bank in the Caribbean, or how about we have a um, joint? We can share the, the flights, meaning there's some, depending on where you're coming from and depending on where you're going, you have to change flights, right? So, why okay, let's say you come to Miami and then you take Caribbean Airways from Miami into the Caribbean. I, I'm I don't know, I'm just thinking out loud, so forgive me. But I'm, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think what would, be, what would make the most business sense. And the truth of the matter is that I don't have info as it relates to um, logistics and feasibility. I don't have a feasibility study. That's what I'm looking for. So I guess I'm just rambling, you know, and hoping and wishing to see improvement within our region and the economics of our airlines. Because if we're not careful, very soon we don't have any regional carriers whatsoever all right so just my thoughts all right barbados here we come you're up next barbados to establish an embassy in ireland story courtesy of barbados.loopnews.com barbados is expanding its diplomatic footprint to ireland senior minister of foreign affairs and foreign trade kerry simmons announced on monday in the house of assembly that during the new financial year The government will be opening an embassy in Ireland. This will be a welcomed addition to the 14 embassies and three consulate generals Barbados has worldwide. Simmons asserted that Barbados needed to forge new relationships beyond North America and Europe and create new missions to foster trade partnerships and investment opportunities. Good, good, good. That's good to hear, Barbados, because we have become so reliant and think that the U.S. is the only place. All right, Grenada. Grenada announces electricity subsidy for low-income households, and it will be implemented for the next 12 months. Story courtesy of caribbean.loopnews.com. The Grenada government on Tuesday said more than 21,000 low-income households are to benefit from lower electricity rates as it implements its EC-10 dollars, which is one EC dollar is the equivalent of 37 cents U.S. And that subsidy is for the next 12 months. In a statement, the government said the customers will begin to see the subsidy on their February bills from the Grenada Electricity Services Limited Grand Lake. And that the relief measure forms part of its efforts to ease the cost of living expenses for citizens you know let me clap it up to um, I gotta give it to Grenada for looking out for its citizens in particular low-income households I think that is something many um, countries can embark and take a page out of Grenada's book right because it's tough for some people and then I think by doing that also, you're mitigating the issues when it comes to people stealing electricity, right? And people go that route. I I honestly don't think it's because that's what they want to do. But when they think about the cost of electricity, and when you get that bill, even when the light goes more than it's on, right, when there's load shedding, your bill ain't moving. Right? <laughs> My mom jokes and says she pretty much don't. next thing she going to do is just turn off every light in the house and use what they call a tilly lamp. Because no matter what, the light will just stay moving. It's the same amount. And even though you have switched out and for years we've been using scent, it, it's like nothing, you know. So, ay, ay, ay. yeah, good for you, Grenada. Good for you. And share that information with the rest of the world, especially the Caribbean, all right? That's how you take care of your folks, at least for the next 12 months. All right, Uh, Trinidad and Tobago, Scotiabank records its highest annual growth rate. Story courtesy of TTLoopNews.com. Scotiabank, Trinidad and Tobago Limited, the group has recorded its highest annual growth rates it has ever achieved. Netting loan growth, of $1.6 billion while maintaining good credit quality. Speaking at the bank's AGM held at the Hyatt Regency Hotel in Port of Spain on Tuesday, Derek Hudson, chairman of Scotia, Trinidad and Tobago, shared the bank's financial results for fiscal 2022. He said, one of the main highlights is the overall growth of 10% with solid growth from our business lines, retail banking at 9% and commercial banking at 16%. The bank also realized income after tax of $189 million for the quarter ended January 31st, 2023. This represents an increase of $4 million or 2% over the comparable 2022 period. According to the bank, The improvement in profitability has resulted in an increased return on equity from 17.27% to 17.35% as at January 31st, 2023. Next up, we head on over to Jamaica. Uh, Yeah, this one is getting pretty interesting. Um, British forensic firm Crowell Associates UK joins the SSL probe. Hmm. Jamaica.looknews.com is reporting. Finance and Public Service Minister Dr. Nigel Clark says the government has engaged the services of Kroll Associates UK to assist with the forensic probe into, into the multi-million dollar fraud at Investment Firm Stocks and Securities Limited SSL. Clark made the announcement a short while ago during hit, well that was yesterday, I should say, during his opening presentation of the 2023-2024 budget debate. Arising from, writing to, and collaborating with the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office of the UK, uh, this morning I signed a statement of work with Cruel Associates UK, he said. He highlighted that Cruel Associates, the British subsidiary of the multinational risk and financial advisory firm, he said, we will provide forensic, uh, I'm sorry, Kroll Associates said, we will provide forensic audit. Investigative Services to the Financial Investigative uh, Division in its probe of the SSL matter. So I thought the FBI was enough. They really need Kroll um, Associates to. So this is bigger than we thought. Oh my. Wow. Jean Ann, girl, you bad. You really bad. She reminded I'm. I'm here thinking about the movie Salt. And um, Angeline Jolie, that's her name? Angeline or Angeline? angelina angelina jolie thank you Javette. <laughs> i'm thinking about that movie salt right where they need so many forces they needed so many forces to take her down wow go with your bad self g then write a book and send me that book let me see what i can do the only thing is that i'm gonna try to not get caught <laughs> don't listen to me <laughs> don't listen to me folks don't listen to me yeah so um They're saying that uh, Kroll will bring leading edge technology, which will support the FID in unraveling all aspects of this 13 year fraud and bring co-conspirators and accomplices to justice. And I have to agree that there are I don't think she was doing this alone. I think we all established that. Right. She, unfortunately, is the face of the um, ring, unfortunately. Every every group has a leader or someone that you put to the forefront to represent the group, right? So, yeah, I, I'm interested to know who else is involved in this with her, right? The minister also shared that the British government, which he noted has long supported the FID, has offered to cover some of the initial cost of the engagement with the Jamaican government covering the balance. So we... The taxpayers of Jamaica have to fund this investigation. Is that fair to the taxpayers of Jamaica? Shouldn't this be funded by SSL? It's their company. It was under their watch that this happened. Why is it that taxpayers have to foot this bill? I didn't have any money invested in SSL. Them, I can barely find two, two quarters to rub together. But the thing is, why are taxpayers being um, stuck with the bill? Because you're saying the Jamaican government, where does the Jamaican government get the money from? Taxes, right? It's not as though it's a private company. I would like to know why. Why not SSL? If the British government wants to um, partake, that's fine, but don't, don't take, we, we can hardly manage already. Come on now, do a little better, but anyway. Yeah, so, um, of course, we all know by now that the wealth advisor, Jean Ann Panton, um, has been arrested and charged in relation to the fraud. She remains behind bars, having been denied bail on two occasions. All right, I'm going to take a quick break I gotta run to my front door <laughs> gonna take a quick break here is a little more from celia cruz and i will be right back
0: ¡Catapum, catapum, pom, pom! ¡Aco mi bomba sonó! ¡Echa para
2: allá que mi bomba sonó! ¡Aco
0: mi bomba sonó! Catapum, catapum, cata-pum, pom bomba
1: Right, thank you so much for your patience, everyone listening online and right here on Clubhouse. I have returned. Okay, next up, national minimum wage to increase in April. Story courtesy of Jamaica.lootnews.com. And I'm um, trying to... I think there's a soundbite for this one because... Hmm, I'm sure I had a soundbite for that one. So... That's good news um, in terms of the percentage increase. I don't have that. La- well, you know what? Let me not say that. Birth me one moment. Let me see. I think there is a sound bite for that one. That's the only one I missed this morning, huh? Uh, <courtyard> bandfi- <obrigado> okay, yeah. I see. I wasn't too bad. I knew there was a sound bite. Here we go.
3: Honestly?
1: Okay. Honestly. Let me wait for the commercial to finish. I apologize. I'm sorry but that's a struggle for me to hear it clearly. It's not coming through clear for me but um, Loop News get a better sound bite please. Uh, the national minimum wage will be increased in April. This was announced on Tuesday by Minister of Finance and the Public Service, Dr. Nigel Clark, during his contribution to the 2023-2024 budget debate in the House of Representatives. Clark did not give the level of the increase, noting that it is the purview of the Minister of Labor, Carl Samuda, to do so. However, he said it will be, quote-unquote, meaningful. Cabinet last approved an increase of 28.5% in the national minimum wage on April 1, 2022. That increase saw the rate moving from $7,000 to $9,000 per 40-hour workweek. Clark on Tuesday acknowledged that times are hard and said an increase would go a far way in making the lives of minimum wage earners more comfortable. The last increase in the minimum wage also saw the rate paid to industrial security guards move from 9700 to 10500 per 40-hour workweek, along with accompanying allowances. Still a struggle, but I guess that's what so we have to um, take time crawl. Hopefully it will get better. Because 9000 is really still tough. per week, that's your grocery bill. Easily, and I'm talking about just bare minimum, basics, nothing fancy. All right, well, keep working, government, keep working. I understand there are constraints within the system. Okay, next up, Uh, we have your money, $20 billion waiting for teachers, doctors, and nurses, said Clark. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio, JM.com. Okay, Minister of Finance Dr. Nigel Clark has revealed that the government has more than $20 billion waiting for teachers, police and doctors who are yet to sign off on a new wage arrangement with the government. Dr. Clark says the more than $20 billion is ready to be paid to the public servants by the end of this month, March 31st. This as he opened the budget debate in the House of Representatives on Tuesday.
4: So we have allocated ten. 10- billion dollars we have it on hand for rank and file police officers I say my speaker to rank and file members of the police force please allow us to pay you the 10.2 billion dollars that we have for you we have 12 billion dollars that we want to get to the teachers of Jamaica my speaker
1: and I appeal to you These groups have yet to agree to deals under the government's compensation restructuring exercise. Minister Clark says the groups will lose out if they fail to reach an agreement with government negotiators before April 1.
4: And if these amounts remain unpaid over the next few weeks, meeting Madam speaker, the targets that we have, our legislation does not leave room to accommodate these amounts in the next fiscal year. We already have a full trillion dollars of expenditure program for next year, inclusive of the second year payments. And this is not a, it's just my responsibility as Minister of Finance to be open with information. The space doesn't exist for the government to pay both the first year restructured salaries and the second year restructured salaries at the same time. As such, Madam Speaker, for fiscal sustainability, We'll have no choice to pay these amounts over several years, commencing in 2024-25.
1: Dr. Clark says the fiscal space to accommodate these payments was made by sacrificing capital expenditure. It's
4: neither just nor equitable that public compensation be pushed to levels that compromise public investment expenditure. We have to maintain a certain level of public interest, you know, and we're only at 2.2. We need to get all the way up. Madam Speaker, if we are to have a Jamaica where we truly have equality of opportunity, which everybody says that they want, Madam Speaker, the connection between public investment expenditure and equality of opportunity is that we have the ability, Madam Speaker, to put a good school in every neighbourhood, to put a good hospital in every community, Madam Speaker, to make sure that the garbage truck doesn't only go uptown but it goes downtown, Madam Speaker.
1: Uh, Nigel Clark, l- let me back up a second. Um, it's not going to be possible to put a hospital in every community. So don't say that. Be careful when you're, with your utterances. It is not going to be possible. It is not going to be realistic either. What you want to do is at least make sure every parish has a uh, modern hospital and see to it that every community has a modern health center. I I think that's what you meant. I'm going to say that's what you meant. I'm speaking on your behalf for you. Clarifying that, all right? Because you don't want to make promises that cannot be kept, right? Because people like me, yeah we hold on to certain things we might not remember everything but certain things we'd never forget so be a little careful with that but i understand your dream
3: good good morning (laughs) morning, i'm glad i'm glad you said that because i was thinking the same exact thing so you're not the only one
1: okay you said i think politicians forget and or is it that they get so excited (laughs) <laughs> when they're giving their speeches
3: <laughs> I th- I think they think they they believe we're not really listening so they can just throw a lot of things in there and and have that vibrato in their voice so it seems like they're gonna get things done <laughs>
1: Exactly Joseph. But uh, you got a few of us, right? There are a few of us who are really listening. All right, next up. $40 billion spark road modernization Pro- program to be launched, says Clark. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio JM.com. The government will embark on an ambitious road modernization program at a cost of $40 billion minister of finance dr nigel clark dubs the project shared prosperity through accelerated improvement to our road network spark
4: if we are to respond to the loud and consistent demand from the public and their representatives for better roads with materially more expenditure my speaker to address these issues the government of jamaica has decided to take decisive action i'm pleased to inform this honorable house and the jamaican people that the government of Jamaica will implement a $40 billion island-wide shared prosperity through accelerated improvement to a road network SPARC program. The SPARC program, my speaker, will be executed over a three-year period with the start of the project development in this fiscal year.
1: Dr. Clark says this will see approximately 2,000 roads across the country rehabilitated. The finance minister says the program was envisioned through feedback received from the recent state of the constituency debate.
4: Madam Speaker, for all who don't think the constituency debates work, Madam Speaker, <laughs> we are responding to you. The executive is responding to the parliament, Madam Speaker. my speaker, will come in this fiscal year.
1: Dr. Clark says improving the nation's roads will not only positively impact road fatalities, but also catalyze economic growth.
4: This intervention, my speaker, we consider, especially in some parts of Jamaica, where the condition of the roads are associated with accidents and road deaths. So my speaker, the Spark program won't be constituency-based, but elective representatives will have the opportunity to make input. Madam speaker, we estimate that over 2,000 roads across Jamaica will be able to be rehabilitated through this park project in a transparent way.
1: That was Dr. Nigel Clark, Minister of Finance and the Public Service. Say, so, you no, know, I have a question, I'm Dr. Clark. All these years, nobody was listening. All these years when people, ah, when it's campaign time, election time, and you're all going around the island, and you from MP to councillor, Nobody was listening. We, when we kept saying we're tired of the marl and pebbles being thrown in potholes, nobody was listening. But I'm glad you're all listening, finally. I'm glad you all realize that the, the um, constituency debates are um, important. You know, let, let me just say that. I'm trying to be grateful. (laughs) I'm trying to be grateful. Next up, ah, $60,000 SLB grants for PATH households. We're going to be hearing a lot from Dr. Nigel Clark, I must say, also courtesy of Nationwide Radio JM. Jamaicans on PATH are to see significant benefits from the Student Loan Bureau when pursuing higher education. Finance Minister Dr. Nigel Clark says PATH households with incomes of less than $1.5 million will receive an additional 4,200 grants of $60,000 each.
4: My speaker, I'm pleased to announce that for the 2023-24 year, students from PATH households or from households with income less than $1.5 million, the Student Loan Bureau plans to make an additional 4,200 non-refundable grants of $60,000 to PATH households and low-income families.
1: Dr. Clark also announced that the government's no guarantor policy will be extended to include all students on PATH.
4: Effective for the new school year beginning September, Speaker, students from PATH households who apply to the Student Loan Bureau will not need to provide any guarantors. No guarantors for PATH students. And in addition, we'll waive the application fee for students from path households. My speaker, we are preserving, maintaining, increasing, and sharing the gains of economic reform.
1: Meanwhile, Dr. Clark announced that thousands of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics STEM scholarships will be awarded over the next five years. These will be provided through the Micro Teachers College and University of Technology Jamaica. I go and said it still um dr nigel clark please see to it that everything you have mentioned is carried out and i will say this also prime minister andrew holness if the jlp is successful in retaining its position as the administration for years to come it will be dependent On how dr. Clark the finance minister sees to it that everything tabled in Parliament comes to fruition that's it because right now people are not too happy with Andrew Holness is it entirely his fault that um, he, he has gone down in ratings no the truth of the matter is this when you have a company and you are the CEO of that company you are relying on those you hire to help build your organization right and the unfortunate thing is when someone within the organization fails they're not pinpointing that person they're calling on you because you are the leader it's just how it is right it's the nature of the beast so um, dr. Clark I implore you do a good job hold those who uh, report to you in their various roles accountable there needs to be regular meetings to um explain what has you know transpired so far right we have to set timelines and we are well me i go hold you accountable let me just say that because um yeah okay next up budget debate Again, he is saying that uh, no new taxes. Story courtesy of Jamaica.loopnews.com. Finance Minister Dr. Nigel Clark has announced that there will be no new taxes for the sixth consecutive fiscal year. The budget, which has surpassed the trillion dollar mark, will be financed through existing revenue channels. He says, I am pleased that because of the prudent policies of the government, We were not only able to survive the pandemic, but like only a handful of countries around the world, we have thrived. Economic output has returned to pre-pandemic levels. Unemployment has fallen to pre-pandemic levels. And so has Jamaica's debt level, Clark added. Jamaica is poised to be the breakout country of the third decade of the 21st century, Clark completed his presentation of jamaica's first trillion dollar budget Well, i I must say this you know i'm getting on you a lot um clark i'm sorry uh when you talk about (laughs) existing revenue channels bear in mind that yes you money was given to people with within a certain income bracket through the pandemic to you know help ease the burden a little but we also don't want to forget the diaspora people around the world who sent what three billion dollars us into the country let's not forget that that you have them to thank as well and i don't hear that in the conversation right do not throw them all in you know, a throw dirty water be careful you don't want to throw out the baby with the bath water either be very careful i i i think you need to Um, express gratitude to the folks in the diaspora who were able to help keep the economy running. $3 billion U.S. pumped into the country. People around the world who made sacrifices because their family members were in Jamaica, not able to work, but light bill had to be paid. Water bill had to be paid. Food had to be bought. So let us be mindful. And don't make it look as though it's because of your prudent policies alone. But it just a concerted effort. Your prudent policies plus the diaspora. All right. And I, I don't think I'm being unreasonable when I ask you to think about us in the diaspora. All right.
5: Hey, good, uh, good hey, morning. Good morning. Good, good morning. Happy oh. International Women's Day.
1: Yes.
5: Uh, yeah. Cheers to you. Um question so when you say monies uh where were all the monies uh coming from i didn't know jamaica received that much money was it like individual contribution or was it from companies around the world or was it from government entities
1: okay so twofold for the persons who are were low income and were able to get a stipend let me call it a stipend right small amount from the government that was through grants that were sent from um other countries um I think the U.S. was one contributor, and I forget the others, but grants were given to the government so that they could pass this on to low-income households. Now, when we talk about the funds from the diaspora, it is people like myself and everyone else in here remitting money into to the country. So the remittances Three billion U.S. dollars in remittances went into the country.
5: Ah, uh, okay, 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 okay. Now, okay, thank you. Yeah, that's no the no. third that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, <Okay. laughs> yeah. So those joint, you know, when you j- joint forces, those two groups helped with the sustenance of the island. You know, so yes, you want to talk about prudent policies, but come on now, let's also remember the others that had an intricate and important role in the survival. All right. But isn't
5: that how most of the uh, our island nations receive, like a, like we all, you know, most people come to the U.S. and we send money back home, Yes. especially in times of need. But we, we you know, we, you know, we know our government aren't doing much, even in Trinidad is even as stable as it is. It has a ton of problems because of corruption.
2: Mm-hmm. So
5: what, what could they verify was the money directly given back to the people, the money that was set for them?
1: We hope every penny went to them, right? We hope, but I know some people who benefited for a fact that I mm-hmm. do know. So my hope is that everyone, every penny went to the intended source. That's mm-hmm. gonna be my hope. You, you know how it is already, L. Right? We can Yeah, I
5: know. I know. <laughs> Sometimes I would do where somebody would would be brave enough to do an audit, <laughs> so we can so 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 we can clean house. Yes. You know, because there's one thing I will say all the items we collectively do not like are people that steal from the, the, the poor where the money is supposed to go.
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly. I have to agree with that. All right. So next up, reciprocal trade or nothing at all. Opposition challenging the government on the Canadian cannabis deal. So this continues to garner much attention as it should. Pressure the government to rethink. All right, story courtesy of Nationwide Radio JM.com. Opposition spokesman on industry investment and global logistics, Anthony Hilton, is challenging Minister Hill on the quantity of cannabis recently imported from Canada. So we didn't even have a chance to reach already. The issue has ignited controversy as some stakeholders are adamant Canada does not import the substance from Jamaica for commercial purposes. Minister Hill says the name of the strain imported is Tranquil Elephantizer, one that is not found in Jamaica. But Mr. Hilton says he is not convinced.
6: I hear the minister um, and what he has to say. um, Persons in the industry who know and ought to know are saying quite different. So um we we will know because we'll we're I'm tabling some question in the parliament and we'll have to get the right answer.
4: Right, but but so you're challenging this forty four pounds. You believe it, it was this, more
6: there's an information that, that I have and that is available.
1: He's adamant that there should be reciprocal trade of cannabis between the two nations or no business at all.
6: I think the Minister is less than Um, I think he misses the mark. The fact is, the question is not whether the minister himself actually issues a a license or a permit. The question is the policy direction um, that is being pursued by the, the agency. Now, it's ironic because the minister, ever since he came into the portfolio, has been stressing the critical importance of exports. So the question must be, is cannabis included in that?
1: He says Jamaica now has an opportunity to start bilateral talks with Canada about the trade of the substance.
6: If, in fact, it is is for commercial testing purposes, I can assure you it is nowhere near those volumes going into Canada. Canada would simply not allow those kinds of volumes. But the point is, Jamaica, and we have been knocking at the door trying to get um, exportation into Canada. Certainly the investors have been. And it's an opportunity for us to sit and to have that sort of bilateral discussion. It's not an opportunity. That's to simply a unilateral export.
1: That was Anthony Hilton, opposition spokesman on industry investment and global logistics, speaking last evening on Nationwide at Five. Remember last week when I said... <laughs> you know what, Um, this was already a done deal because I had no idea that the cannabis had already reached the shores of Jamaica. So they already cemented that. So why didn't they just say, oh, right, and say, hey, listen, we already have the cannabis here and there's nothing we can do about it. And guess what? There's nothing you can say that is going to make us change our mind. The deal was already inked already ain't i don't need to stop tech people for fool and be forthcoming be transparent the moment negotiation starts or even the idea the the concept the, whatever it is however you want to term it from the moment it was introduced it should have been made public thereby giving the general public the opportunity to weigh in because it affects the local cannabis ganja farmer it affects them too and when you think about the history that has affected ganja farmers for years police going uh, or jdf going and burn down the ganja fields ganja criminalized in the country where people come from all over the world to smoke the weed it did not it and it still does not make any sense we produce allegedly the world's best weed, but yet you're going to bring in weed from Canada and no weed going out. So, Canada weed better than ours? Now, if it is a matter of quality and we need to step up the quality, are we having those conversations with the farmers? What are we doing? Are we going to them with the agriculturists? Uh, um, horticulturists I mean who specialize in 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 ganja farming and say hey do this do that this is what you need to do to bring up the quality we don't want a synthetics bring up the quality
5: oh is that what the Canadian is a synthetic I like to preface I don't smoke so I don't know enough about it <laughs> but what did they invite it to turn the soil because I know sometimes they introduce different strains to do stuff to the soil or that wasn't that this was just strictly a money thing
1: <laughs> let's say it's a money thing because here's the thing Elle, we reported last week that we are bringing in can um weed from canada that is laced enhanced let me use the, the um proper term enhanced with flavors right so it's not in its natural state it has been altered but Canada tells us our weed is not good enough for them to import it's strictly money at this point it has to be money because if you really care and and this is where um, I speak to the various ministers in charge of this industry and the granting of these licenses to allow people to import cannabis into Jamaica um, if you truly care about Jamaica and its position, and it should be global, Jamaica should be the go-to place. If you truly cared about the local farmer, you would see how you can do as much as you can to help him ensure that his weed is at the level, the the, the quality worthy of being exported. But we're not do that. And this is what is happening to us all the time.
7: But morning, morning Good
1: morning, Prezi.
7: Uh, the international women there.
1: Thank you, Prezi. On behalf thank of all the women in here I say thank
7: you. You're welcome, you're welcome. So on this story, um I guess when my 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 opinion on this basically would come from just going back to the structure of, you know, as, as you mentioned you know, in terms of the farmers and in terms of how they are supported as it relates to, you know, local produce that they would essentially, you know, sell back to um, local consumers. Um, when you, so for example, when I was in Jamaica just um, a couple months ago, and going to the supermarket and you know, you're going to supermarket and look and on, look on the, especially in the, the produce section, you know, fruits and vegetables. When you look on those labels, you know, ninety percent of them are imported, you know,
8: ninety
7: percent. So what that essentially tells me is that even in this case where you know the whole um, the whole uh, issue with the 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 cannabis, the cannabis are weed, right? it the cannabis tells me that or it just shows me it continues to show me that um you know that is not a priority um for local um farmers or local you know producers to um in to 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 support them in the sense whereby you know their produce are being uh, you know exported or it's it being um sustained in 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 a way where you know, pretty much they, they take it, essentially. I, don't, I, I haven't seen where they've taken it um, seriously over the years, um, you know, just from the the, the, the farming aspect of it, um, simply because, you know, Jamaica seems, I don't know why is it that they just seem as if, or why is it that the government thinks that, you know, for them it's way more, I'm, I'm not sure if it's cost-effective for them to essentially import, produce versus um, exporting. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they're they're certain. Um, you know, uh, I guess like regulations or anything or stipulations. I don't know what's it is. but just based on that and this story, you know, it just it just kind of reminds me that you know the, that 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 aspect of the Jamaican um, um, industry itself is not um, prioritized. So 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 you will always see you know this issue continue throughout you know. and and, until you know something is is actually um done about you know there's multiple different campaigns that come out of jamaica where you know um common one like you know eat what we grow right there's there's, there was a huge eat what we grow campaign um for years right for years um that, that that campaign you know tried to promote you know you know as i said eat what we grow don't don't necessarily import right and essentially leave out the local farmers um i not supporting local farmers right but yet still it still it's still amounts to nothing right so you know I'm not sure what a um a, 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 a solution um would would be but I think we'll we'll I mean we'll we'll, we'll always get know run into um, these type of issues
1: You know, Prezi, thank you so much. As you were talking, you know, you said something which I think is an excuse we use a lot. It is cheaper to import. It is cheaper to import. It's cheaper to import onions. It's cheaper to import carrots. It's cheaper to import sweet peppers. It's cheaper to import everything. Why? When it comes to food, things that we can grow locally. And the excuse, it just seems to me to be an excuse and a way to avoid doing the work also we have spoken I think in the past couple of weeks when we're talking about Haiti and you know taking the dumping the heap of rice into Haiti so of course if you keep dumping things on us why should the local person see it necessary to want to do the farming ease of access right now could it be that external groups in their conversations and with their negotiations are saying well you have to take this off of us if you want this from us you have to do this could that be the case
5: that part
1: it seems so l right now i am left to think nothing else and i'm thinking about it more and more i was was just going through my head as as Prezi was talking we keep using the excuse it is cheaper to import
5: what is the percentage of import to jamaica when it comes to food like
1: um you know let me let me jump on google let me that's important yeah
9: Yeah.
5: i usually ask richard he's my google (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
9: i don't know offhand but Farming incurs a huge amount of a multiplier effect of many other economic benefits. You don't just get the sale of the farm but also the farm's coordination of services. you get the country's um, ability to coordinate different farms. Um, you get that knowledge base to stay and you know there's mm-hmm. so many economic benefits when you keep that industry inside.
5: Yeah, they do the same thing to Africa too. When I first started on Clubhouse, um there was a room, of course, everybody wants to save Africa, just like save Taiwan and all this stuff. And um it's not usually from a good place. It's certain westerners that they you know, they have these big ideas and they don't really truly give the country what it needs and they were saying uh they wanted to Put this equipment in Africa because it's going to help the farming. And I was like, How's it going to help the farming if they can't afford the equipment or afford to fix it when it breaks down? And it was like, Well, this way they don't, um, so, to help them with imports. And I was like, Well, why do they need to import stuff? Mm-hmm. I was like, Because like tomatoes aren't indigenous to uh, Africa, so is the cucumber. So, why does it need to be imported? If you stay within the country, that cuts down the need. Not to mention, you actually help the soil turnover too. Like Richard said, there's so many benefits to it.
1: Yeah. Or uh, trade
5: in the Caribbean instead of far, so far out. So, that saves if you have to import. So, that actually saves on uh, what are they, the, the tax, the shipment, and probably most of the tariffs if you trade within the Caribbean and not in America.
1: And that's something that Donald has expressed here several times intra regional trade. So, to answer your question, I pulled it up on Google. And the question I typed in was how much food is imported to Jamaica? Approximately 30% of raw materials and food ingredients used by local food processors are obtained from local suppliers. 70% is imported.
5: If this was Jeopardy, I would have won. Okay, that's what I <laughs>
1: Caribbean jeopardy 70% of the food we consume in Jamaica is imported when you go into the markets you see the the, the you know imported American apples you see the seedless grapes uh, it's just ridiculous uh, and we have OTT apples which are more beneficial than the American produce but people have a foreign mind right They think anything come from foreign is better but when you see um, bananas imported, that's the problem.
8: Tomatoes
1: Wait. imported. Yep. I it was, can... I... <laughs> go I... ahead, go ahead, Elle. I, say, I hate bananas. I
5: like plantain. I know it's different, but I hate bananas. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like the bananas. And my friend uh, Eva Richard said that I would probably prefer the bananas actually that aren't like that are probably more from Asia. Like even I just came back from there. Even their fruit because i uh, when i was there all i saw in korea was korean goods like when it came to food the strawberries their grapes their oranges everything and it actually tasted way better than anything i have had in the us so why do we need to import it especially things that are not indigenous to the country and if we do want to grow those things they're all the technology that could be purchased if you want to grow a hybrid tomato or cucumber or something like that. We have to, you need to start growing within the region. And I have a quick question for Richard. So, Taiwan, do y'all, imp, does Taiwan import a lot of stuff? Because it's another island nation, but way in the Pacific.
9: It considers it a national advantage to not import, it has a very lively inter- domestic food stock system. Despite being with very little arable land, the island is mostly mountainous with a precious amount left for building, which leaves even less for agriculture, which is sort of the theme of many islands. You usually have a, you know, volcano in the middle or a mountain, and then you just have that strip left around the edge. So
5: it's like so we should take a page from Taiwan then, exactly. right?
1: Exactly. Exactly.
5: This is why this is why diverse rooms are important. So if anybody's listening, look. We should do what Taiwan's doing and follow their model.
1: I do believe people are listening, Elle, because I think I have said it in here several times that we will discuss something that comes up in the news, and a couple weeks later or months later, you know, it comes back up again and speaks to what we are promoting or presenting as a viable option. So I, I want to believe they're listening. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Uh, who's that? James, go right ahead. Yeah,
10: mor- Morning, everyone. And ladies, happy International Women's Day.
1: On behalf of thank all you, the women in the ha- room, you. I
10: say thank you. And, thank and you. men, men, make sure you take out the garbage today. You cook, <laughs> you, you clean up the <laughs> kitchen, do all of those good stuff, you yeah? know?
7: Yeah, I mean
10: that's
7: the code every day, James. <laughs> <laughs> every day,
2: yeah.
10: Okay. I will give that to Clyde
5: Bab. Clyde babb was a cook in my house as most me and men are. I learned how to cook from my dad, so he at least did that.
10: <laughs> yeah. All right, go yeah. ahead, James. Go ahead. Go right yeah, ahead. Yeah. So, so yeah, we we we've talked about this numerous occasions in 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 the room in this room. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, like, remember we talk about the world globalization, the one world market, and oh, it. It's a disadvantage to smaller islands, and as I said on numerous occasions, I can remember from about 35 years ago, because when I was like I started working downtown Kingston when I was when I was like 14 years old, and at that time I remember when the the the, the idea of start you know bringing in I think it was chicken first because. Um, it started, the whole idea, like, of um, importing pr- um, products um, took took up, like, steam after Gilbert. Because remember when Gilbert, we were depleted a lot of stuff. And that was the opportunity to start getting stuff from, from America. And, you know, 30 years ago, like, it was about 20%, 20%, 20% of the goods to Jamaica were, was imported. And most of that um, was directed to the, the hotel industry because, like they're thinking, like especially like you know super clubs, Sandals, those hotels, is that when Europeans and Americans come to Jamaica, they want an American breakfast. So at that time, we started importing, you know, apple. We started importing strawberry. We started importing um, grapes. You know, like forty years ago, you go downtown, you're not going to find vendors selling grapes. You'll find those things like in like some of the uptown supermarkets. You'll find those in in the in the hotels and the all inclusive resort.
2: Mm-hmm.
10: And so it it's it's crazy now that that you put that 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 figure 75%, so seventy five percent. 70 percent. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's a travesty. Like for for, and the thing is like. Even the, 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 I'm confused with the cannabis thing too, because um, I thought the deal was that that Jamaica was sending stuff to Canada. I didn't think, I didn't realize it was the other way around.
1: But what is more insulting, James, is that they had already signed the paperwork, the ink dry, and they were making it seem as though they were negotiating.
10: Yeah, I didn't realize it was the other way around, because the thing is like, anything that the government sent to Jamaica is not good. Because Canadians are not smoking it, much less. Because I, I don't know if I told you, but I remember in the middle of, like, a year ago, we were talking about, like, every single block you go, there's, like, um, cannabis stores popping up in Canada.
2: Mm-hmm.
10: And I told you, that, like, close to my restaurant, there's about 10. Like, I can walk to 10. Well, no, it's about five of them left. They're closing down. Oh, boy. Because, because people that are real weed smokers are smoking the illegal stuff. They're they're still not going into those stores. Those stores are more appealing to teenagers because they put candy type of flavor and and those type in Mm -hmm, there. mm -hmm. Those type of stuff. So they are more appealing to like people that just start smoking teenagers, but people that really smoke still getting their stuff on the black market. So it's insulting that you know, like Jamaica, the place, the birthplace of the good weed is buying weed from Canada, which we don't have a lot of sun. It's it's a lot of winter. Most of the stuff is like chemically grown in a in a, in a greenhouse lab where they use all these um, technology to to, to kind of bring them from. From from stem to just shoot them up like in in two months. So yeah. it's, it's it's a lot of chemical stuff they're they're sending to Jamaica.
1: Too much. All right. Thank you so much. I'll take one more comment, and I do have to keep it moving. So who opened their mic? Who was that? I wasn't. Thinking.
3: It was it was okay. me. Okay, moments. So that, yeah. Go right ahead to that. So basically, James just said to us, the reason why so much food is imported is because the Americans that has came into the country wanted to eat their own food, not the food of that region. And another reason why Canada wants to send their weed to JA is because no one is smoking it in Canada. So they just want to just... Throw it off on somebody else.
5: We are the we'll uncultured butt. Just uncultured butt back to your country back to your own country then. Like I so, so am sorry, <laughs> I lost <the laughs> I was saying take your uncultured butt out of there then. Just <laughs> why go on vacation <laughs> and you don't eat the food of the nation? Like, yeah, like, like why it, it makes no sense. Like I don't want to eat and my son, he went to the Bahamas and he was the, the the Bahamas is the work is such a terrible example of what America has done. I mean, all of our other nations, like we've like between Jamaica and uh, the Bahamas, the American tourism has like just impacted the culture so much. Trinidad not so much, but the with, with the food. When I went to the Bahamas for the first time, and I went to look at the food, and I was like, "What is this?"
2: Uh-huh.
5: There was there was um, I didn't see porridge. I didn't see saltfish. I didn't see any plants. In it. I didn't see any island fruit. I didn't see anything representative of Bohemian culture. Wow! Like at all. Like it was all like chicken wings and just American stuff.
1: No local and food. So right? disappointing.
5: Yeah, I'd be honest today. I don't even know what Bohemian food looks like or tastes like. <laughs> I talk about, you know, I've Jamaican food. I was Trinidadian food superior, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but we've I've had everybody else's food, but but the Bahamas, like where like where is theirs? And you know what? It's been drowned by all of the, the infusion of what the American tourists want. And it shouldn't be like that. You come you go visit a country because you want to experience it and its people and the culture, all of that stuff you right. don't go there for a home if you, if that's
1: what you want stay stay your butt home stay your hind parts home <laughs> and i'm gonna say this and then i have to keep it moving to um james's point when james spoke about the importation of overseas products because that's what tourists want that is true but it was going primarily into the into the hotels and then it came to a point where too much was being imported and it trickled over and you would have the street side vendors and then of course the locals got to Got their hands on it and said, "Yes, we prefer this now." And what they're not realizing, what the locals aren't realizing, is that what they're getting now is the bottom, bottom of the barrel. All right. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Well, I'll put oh, it in the oh, chat.
5: And yeah. I'll
1: talk to okay. Prezi, Prezi, hold on. I'll Prezi go right ahead, and then I have to have to move on. Go ahead,
7: Prezi. Right. Just, just literally two seconds. So um, I'm not sure if anybody is familiar with the documentary Life and Death. Um, but it's a very um interesting documentary that would also give us an understanding of in terms of um the complexity of um international lending as related to the World Bank, IMF and just, you know, the different globalization policies that affect, you know, countries such as Jamaica and essentially why they are pretty much in the position that they're in right now. Um it's a documentary that I watched a couple of years ago and it really brought a lot of insight on things now. So I definitely recommend um, if you've never watched it before, um, go ahead and watch it. Um, it's called Life on Net, and I'll put it in the chat. Thank you.
1: I was about to ask you, Percy. Please put it in the chat, and I'll just read the two comments from the chat real quick, and then i would get on to our next story. Dre said, I had to go to a shack on the beach in the Bahamas to get conk. Now Jamaica is selling mostly chicken wings chicken wings also. And Elle said, aren't you taking money away from the people doing that, importing so much food? Yes, we are. In our next story, Caricom says, do not lose sight of issues affecting women in the Caribbean. Story courtesy of caribbean.lootnews.com. Caribbean Community Caricom Secretary General Dr. Carla Barnett on Wednesday said the Caribbean must not lose sight of the many issues that stand in the way of achieving women's equality, such as women's political participation, unpaid care and domestic work, impact of climate change and gender based violence, which is a public health crisis in the region. In a message celebrating International Women's Day, Barnett, the first woman to head the Guyana-based CARICOM secretariat, said the global average shows one in three women has experienced physical and or sexual violence at some point in her lifetime, usually from an intimate partner. In the Caribbean region, prevalence surveys conducted between 2016 to 2018 in five member states indicate incidence rates as high as one in two women. IWD a special observance that was adopted by the United Nations in 1975 is this year being observed under the theme digital innovation and technology for gender equality that is aligned with the priority theme for the 67th session of the commission on the status of women underway at the United Nations and a little entertainment news out of the Caribbean come home is the theme song for Vinci Mass. And in case you're wondering what that sounds like, there it is.
8: Don't you ever let me down again Cause I'm depending on you So you better come through this time Please hear my cry And if I ever let you down again
1: Come Home has been selected as the theme song to promote Vincy e. Mass. The hit song from Nyla Blackman and Vincentian soca star Skinny Fabulous is seen as a fitting song to promote the country's annual carnival. Come Home produced by Kyle Phillips, Kitwana Israel, Mevon Sudin and Anson Pro and written by Sudin Israel andre jeffers nyla blackman and soverall was one of the songs that dominated trinidad carnival the song welcomes the return of carnival and in it the singers promise never to do anything to chase it away again The song was a strong contender for Trinidad's Road March, placing second behind Bungie Garland's Hard Fet. Skinny Fabulous is no stranger to the Road March race on the Twin Island and has established himself as a musical force in that space. We embrace the collaboration and unity when it comes to soca music between Vincentians and Trinidad artists, even dating back to Beckett and Winston Soso. I want to encourage it, and that is the way we should go throughout the Caribbean. We should mix it all up. Go to St. Vincent on the Grenadines. Vincy Mass runs from June 30 to July 11. For more information, visit the website V-I-N-C-Y-M-A-S.VC yeah.
8: Nyla Blackman.
1: Thank you so much for that one, Nyla and Skinny Fabulous. Pick up the vibe now it's time for us to take a quick break a little bit more from celia cruz we are honoring her today hashtag wcw we celebrate women sing to Havana, canto a la habana this is his title track for this one from celia cruz for those of you who missed it her full name ursula Ilaria celia de la caridad cruz alfonso born october 21
2: 1925
0: in havana cuba Elia
1: Cruz rose to fame in Cuba during the 1950s as a singer of Guarachas, earning the nickname La Guarachera de Cuba. In the following decades, she became known internationally as the Queen of Salsa due to her contributions to Latin music. Rosa, Cubano. de
0: la banda K.
1: Thank you to everyone listening on QMZRadio.com, the quality music zone. For quality music while you work or play, remember to keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. We are going to be right back with stories out of Latin America and the international scene. Coming up later on, we have business and tech as well as health and science news. Keep it locked.
0: Y aunque sea muy discreta Se triunfar en el amor Una taza de cariño Un chinchín de pimentón Revolverlo con ternura Y dar besitos un montón Una pizca de alegría Un postal de comprensión Con salero y santería, Yo conquiste tu corazón Y todas las noches se falta Yo le pongo sazón son le pongo sazón Tengo entretenido, siempre dándole algo nuevo. Me cambio de color de pelo, como cambiar de pantalón. La con alto falda corta, todo por mi cariñito. Siempre le digo, mi amorcito, papi, tú eres el mejor. Yo me siento muy dichosa de tenerlo tantos años. Le va un minuto y ya lo extraño, y le doy gracias al señor.
1: Thank you to everyone listening on Johnno radiocom for that 24-hour-a-day non-stop party vibe. Download the John Radio app. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. John Radio, J-A-H-K-N-O. D- download the app. I said yes. Please go ahead and do that. John Radio, take us on the go. While growing up in Cuba's diverse 1930s musical climate, Cruz listened to many musicians who influenced her adult career, including Fernando Colasso, Abelardo Barroso, Pablo Quevedo, Antonio Arcanio, and Arsenio Rodriguez. Despite her father's opposition to the fact that she was Catholic, as a child, Cruz learned Santeria songs from her neighbor who practiced Santeria. Cruz also studied the words to Yoruba songs with colleague Mercedes Valdez from Cuba and later made various recordings of this religious genre, even singing back up for other female actuans like Candita Batista. Big thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and lending your voice via the chat or speaking on your mic. Thank you for the great conversation. It is International Women's Day. We're also celebrating Women's History Month. As such, today, hashtag WCW, we celebrate women, we are celebrating and honoring Celia
2: Cruz. Mm
1: All right. Thank you, Celia. And it is time for us to get into stories out of Latin America. First up, and I'm just waiting for the Creole translation to English. Bear with me one moment. Okay, here we go. Uh, story out of Haiti.LoopNews.com. Mexican visa, new appointments available until March 31st. The Mexican embassy in Haiti has announced that the Me Consulado portal on the embassy's website will allow interested parties to make appointments relating to visa and legalization procedures for the period from March 13 to March 31, 2023. Appointments will be available on March 7, starting at 7 p.m., To make an appointment for a Mexican visa or document legalization procedure, you must do the following. One, access the embassy website and open an account there. Then click on my consulate or "Mi consulado in Spanish. Next, choose the option visas with authorization from the INM. Choose the option visas san autorización. Choose the option certificates, legalizations, and visas. Alright, so log on for anyone who has relatives or friends in Haiti and they want to get to Mexico. Do it the right way. Go to the website me consulado log on there and follow the steps you have to open an account you click on my consulate or me consulado in Spanish choose the option visas with authorization okay and then certificates legalizations and visas The embassy reminds that appointments for its consular services are personal and free. Free. F-R-E-E, folks. Don't let anybody charge you anything. And that hiring managers may result in the cancellation of your appointment without notice. No third party is needed. You don't need a liaison. You don't need a go-between. You can do this on your own. All right. On your own. OK, next up out of Latin America, survivors of deadly Mexico abduction returned to the U.S. Story courtesy of WSVN out of Miami. And let me grab the sound bite for that one.
4: Seven, the search for four Americans kidnapped in Mexico takes a tragic turn. Officials say two of them were killed
11: but today the two others were safely rescued and they're now back on US soil reporter Gloria Pesmino joins us live near the border in Brownsville Texas with the latest Gloria Craig, You know, I've been here in Brownsville, Texas all day. This is a border community behind me. You can see how active the traffic is. Still is even at this hour. That's because crossing the border is very much a part of everyday life here in this community, and that's what those four US citizens were trying to do last week. They traveled into Matamoros, Mexico, where one of them was hoping to get a medical procedure. It went bad when they got to Matamoros. They came under fire, were assaulted subsequently kidnapped. As you mentioned, two of those people tragically lost their lives. Two of them are recovering in an area hospital. We've also learned U.S. officials believe this was a case of mistaken identity and an investigation is now underway. What happened in the border city of Matamoros became an international incident drawing attention from the U.S. and Mexican governments.
12: Attacks on U.S. citizens are unacceptable no matter where or under what circumstances circumstances they happen.
11: Yet friends of the victim's family members say 33-year-old Latavia Washington McGee was trying to get to a medical clinic for a scheduled medical procedure. She and three traveling companions never made it there.
8: Of the four, there are two dead, one person injured and the other alive.
11: The governor of Tamaulipas confirmed two people dead, another injured. Investigators believe the friends got lost on the way to the clinic and came under gunfire from a drug cartel. Then they were loaded into the back of a truck and abducted in what is believed to be a case of mistaken identity, according to a U.S. official familiar with the investigation.
1: Three days after the crime, the four persons that were kidnapped were taken to different places.
11: Vida Real says a Mexican woman a block and a half away was killed by a stray bullet fired during the kidnapping. The governor also confirming one person has been detained so far, a 24-year-old accused of keeping watch on the victims. The investigation continues.
13: Ultimately, uh, we want to see accountability uh, for the violence that has been inflicted on these Americans that tragically uh, led to the death of two of them.
11: A tragic outcome for those four friends and while uh, this community is shaken by what's happened I spoke with a public official earlier today the spokesperson for the police department who told me that they do not want this incident to define the relationship between Mexico and this community here so much of what goes on here is dependent on both of those communities. He told me that they don't expect border crossings to decrease in any significant way, particularly as we head into the spring break season when they expect to see a surge of travelers. However, US officials are asking people who are traveling across the border to take additional precautions. Make sure you have a full tank of gas. Make sure that your friends and family are aware of where you are going and to turn GPS uh, on on your cellular devices in the event that anything should go wrong reporting live from brownsville texas gloria pasmino back to you
14: gloria thank
1: you. hey guys we are that is so such an unfortunate outcome really is um safety you have to be safe no matter where you are in the world even in your own hometown You have to try your best to be as safe as possible. Um, I'm not saying this is the case with this particular situation, but just words of advice. When you're traveling, especially overseas for medical procedure, undoubtedly you're probably traveling with cash protect yourselves. Be careful what you say. Give as little information as possible. My recommendation is fly in if you can and check into a hotel. That's my recommendation. I understand, you know, people want to explore and try alternative ways of getting there but if you're going for a medical procedure my recommendation is that you fly in and stay at a hotel stay at a hotel try to minimize yourself being a target as much as possible because the you mentioned to anyone oh i'm staying at or i'm here for medical procedure right away you know okay you have money on you and of course they're going to want to get the money off of you it seems as though this was a case based though on the stories the various from the various news outlets it seems as though this was a case of mistaken identity so unfortunate so unfortunate (sighs) and of course the mexican authorities have um arrested one suspect as was just reported For stories on the international scene, tens of thousands rallied to demand justice after a Greek train crash, story courtesy of Al Jazeera. Tens of thousands of people have rallied in Athens and cities across Greece to demand accountability following the deaths of 57 people last week in the country's worst train disaster labor unions and student associations organized the demonstrations this morning while strikes halted ferries to the islands and public transportation services in Athens where at least 30,000 people took to the streets demonstrators in the capital waved signs reading it is not an accident it is a crime and it could have been any of us on that train More than 20,000 joined rallies in Thessalonica, Greece's second-largest city, where clashes broke out when several dozen youths challenged a police cordon. Twelve students from the city's university were among the dead in last week's head-on crash between the two trains. Police fired tear gas in the southern city of Patras, where a municipal band earlier played music from a funeral march while leading the demonstration. United Nations says malnutrition in mothers soars in crisis-hit countries. With a 25% rise in malnutrition among adolescent girls, women, UNICEF report raises alarm on need to invest in essential nutrition programs. Story courtesy of Al Jazeera. The number of pregnant and breastfeeding women suffering from acute malnutrition has soared by 25% across 12 countries in Africa and Asia, since 2020 according to a unicef report in the report published on tuesday unicef said that the number of malnourished mothers increased from 5.5 million to 6.9 million over the last two years in countries hardest hit by a global nutrition crisis of course this situation has been exasperated by the war in ukraine drought conflict and instability In the 12 countries, Afghanistan, Burkina Faso, Chad, Ethiopia, Kenya, Mali, Niger, Nigeria, Somalia, South Sudan, Sudan and Yemen, more than 1 billion adolescent girls and women are suffering from undernutrition with devastating consequences for their lives and well-being, said the report. The global hunger crisis is pushing millions of mothers and their children into hunger and severe malnutrition. That's the warning from UNICEF Executive Director Catherine Russell. Poor nutrition in pregnant and breastfeeding women can lead to several health issues for their children, including premature births, low birth weight, stunting and wasting in newborns, according to the report. It added that children born to malnourished mothers are also more likely to develop chronic health problems and have a higher risk of mortality? Why does this report sound like deja vu before i 've heard this before i don 't think it's the first time we're hearing this we 've heard this before the war all i 'm thinking about is something Donnell said i can't remember verbatim but the you know the posters and the the, the um commercials, the ads that they run.
15: Charity porn. Oh,
5: yeah, that's, yeah, that was what we were were talking about that three weeks ago. But I wanted to note, too, you know, there are, you know, starvation. Also, sometimes malnutrition comes from even when there's food, like your belly is full, but the food is not the proper food that you're supposed to get. So you have to eat what you have because you're living in what they call food deserts they talk about that in like New York where they're like there is malnutrition but there's areas where there's no you know all they have is access to you know fast food and all this other stuff like you know because I know people will be like oh we're sending food and stuff but it's probably not the proper nutritious stuff that they need right. to you know have babies to you know sustain life proper life
1: agreed uh, thank when, you go ahead
15: Donna on that point um growing up in Grenada during the revolution time if I could remember correctly, like when you get pregnant and you go to the clinics, there were these food and nutrition classes that um, pregnant mothers were subjected to. Right. I'm not sure if it was optional or mandatory. But what they did is they had food and nutrition specialist comes in and educate these women on how to prepare foods that was nutritious and would be able to sustain, through the preg- sustain them through their pregnancy. that was all local. Okay? And it goes back to the, the whole saying of the importation of this this junk we call food. Right. What you can find happening is sometimes the foods are existing in territories even where there is deprivations. However, sometimes there is no balance and people sometimes does not know the nutritional content of local foods and how it can be used to sustain in a healthier we manner. I, mean, I think we need initiatives like that throughout the Caribbean and throughout the region and uh, even in Africa where the governments take on the mandate to get qualified nutritionists, look at the food groups and the foods that are exposed to us in our region, in our state, in our countries and come up with some staple products or let's say a basket of goods that you can sell to households and say listen if you're looking for protein, vitamins, this is what you have. And sell it even to our school children, to our, especially the women. Because if you get partnership with the women who usually prepare the foods in the home, what you can do is you can cut your import food bill, you could increase food security from locally produced um, food, and you could also look at curbing nutritional deficiencies. And I think this is the direction we have to go.
1: Yeah yeah but we also and we have to heavily promote self-sufficiency within the homes right um when you think caribbean and you think on the continent as well i think everybody has a little backyard we probably need to have uh what's that what's the term when you study the soil to see how fertile it is to you know grow some corn grow vegetables in your backyard if not do some container gardening there are Thousands of plastic containers that are disposed of that are not biodegradable. That could be used as planters. Go ahead, Donald.
15: But but moments, we don't even need that in most Caribbean countries. Because if you know those of us who had the kitchen sink running outside to the drain, yes. the tomato plants, the corn, everything will sprout up from that. Yeah. You could literally throw seeds on the ground in the Caribbean and if it's not eaten by an insect, it will grow and fruit. So it's just a matter of having a little back where you could have your seasoning on and your short crops and stuff like that. It doesn't have to be much. So it's not a case where we have to even do soil studies and stuff like that. Most of the countries are volcanic, especially in the Windward Islands. And I can't see us out. We should never have a food security issue. Never.
1: You're absolutely right. So it goes back to what you say and what you have been saying. Um, food porn is this another way are they using this as a disguise to extort yes i'm using the word extort extort money out of us because we all know that when you donate only 10% actually goes to the cause 90% is administrative expenses is this another quote-unquote scam makes you wonder sometimes huh
9: and problem even in the United States, where your nutritional information, your food choices, your accessibility to food are also problems—not as severe, but it's still you know totally unnecessary. And
1: yep, thank you, Richard. Thank you. Um, soil testing. Thank you, Kiranga. Thank you so much. Soil testing. Yeah, homesteading—that's the term I was looking for. See, my, my, I'm getting old, so bear with me homesteading and on top of that i had a rum i had a rum cake last night and i had one this morning with my coffee oh my gosh plus a little rum in my coffee so yeah brain a little slow homesteading that is the term i was looking for we all can do it in some way shape or form right um yeah so time for stories out of north america california governor to cut ties with walgreens after they decide to stop carrying abortion drugs in 20 states. Story courtesy of balleralert.com. California, New- California Governor Gavin Newsom is ready to cut ties with Walgreens after they decided to stop distributing abortion medication in 20 states. The retail pharmaceutical company made the announcement last week that it would no longer provide. Mif- How is it pronounced? M I F E P R I S T o n e is it mifepristone my first stone
12: i gotta look at that one hmm.
1: yes so okay. that <laughs> no no I, I can't hear it the way you do i can't spell it spell. okay m-i-f-e how you pronounce that part? Let's start with that cuz Pristone I'm imagining imagining is straightforward.
12: Miphi?
1: Mifipristone? Pristone? Mifpristone? Something. Anyway.
9: Oh. <laughs>
1: Missy Pristone. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. One of Yay. The, <laughs> One of the two drugs used in medicated abortion. It is typically used in conjunction with misoprostol. Another to terminate a pregnancy that is no more than 70 days along. And this is according to the Mayo Clinic. To honor abortion laws in several Republican states, Walgreens will no longer offer the drugs in those areas. Instead, they have pledged to only provide this vital medication uh, in those jurisdictions where it is legal and operationally feasible. The decision came for attorney generals in those states um, where they were threatened, where Walgreens was threatened if they continued to offer the drug in states that did not allow abortions. Newsom, a Democratic who has continuously supported women's rights to abortions, is not pleased with the company's decision to deny this potentially life-saving medicine. After the Supreme Court's decision overturned Roe v. Wade, Newsom vowed to make California a safe haven for residents and anyone who needed to visit the state to receive the procedure. In November, voters approved a ballot making access to abortion and contraception a permanent statute in the state constitution. California will not be doing business with Walgreens or any company that cowers to the extremists and puts women's lives at risk. We're done. Newsom confirmed in a tweet on Monday. It is unclear how Newsom will go about getting rid of Walgreens in California. The company has not responded publicly to this latest development. Huh. Okay, then. Let, where's my popcorn? May I have it with extra butter, please? Light salt, extra butter.
16: Wal- Walgreens ain't going nowhere.
1: Nowhere. What do you think is going to happen? They're going to um continue to sell or make available in the state of California, come to some reasonable agreement with Mr. Newsom?
16: Yep, that's what they'll do. They'll do that behind closed doors so you can, so you can save face in public. That's what will happen. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I have to agree with you, David. Yeah. There's too much money at stake.
2: Go ahead, Mm -hmm. Donald.
1: Companies
15: would always win. The same way the companies here that would criticize all the human rights are still changing all their policies to operate in China because the market is big. Any market segment that's big enough and profitable enough for any company, they would have policies to match that market. It's that simple. They're not governments. They could they could uh, sell in California, not sell in Texas, whatever. But I think that they will come around.
1: From, a, from an economic standpoint, business standpoint. So I just looked it up. How many Walgreens stores are in California? 600. Accounting for about 10% of the state's pharmacy market. I mean, for the smaller pharmacies, the mom and pop pharmacies, I'm sure they would, they'd be like, yes, go Walgreens, go. But is it a reasonable decision to make Cal, um, Walgreens? 600 stores? That's a lot of stores. I'm sorry, go ahead, Sonette,
12: go ahead. Just really quickly, in in my city, in in San Francisco, they have been slowly closing um, Walgreens. This is prior to uh, Governor Newsom's announcement. There's a, a, I think it was uh, not necessarily because of the birth control issue. It was because of a high theft rate and Walgreens just can't survive it. Um, But they have been closing them in my city. Hmm. Yeah, I
16: mean, yeah, I'm in the same city. And yes, they have been yeah, yeah, especially on Market Street, there Used to be like three or four of them on the Market Street. Now they're like, all shut down because, you know, you can't do anything to people if they steal on the $900. So what's the point? Right? So they just got tired and they just start shutting down.
1: Hmm. Okay, so else's might go go right ahead. Go right ahead. I'm not looking uh, at my screen. I do apologize.
9: Newsom can only speak for the state and he can only control state executive organs. But the if through the Office of Medicare Administration that is state level, they are beholden to federal obligations as to how to administrate Medicare and Medicaid systems. So Newsom essentially has no tools at his disposal to tell anybody I don't do business with Walgreens. So it's just a political statement. And Walgreens is reacting to the political threats from the 21 states whose AGs deliver letters to Walgreens. So both sides are playing as politics. It will be net nothing and Walgreens will win again. Uh, after you, Donald. Hmm. Okay. But if... Go ahead,
1: Serhat. So if, yeah.
12: if the state of California had business with Walgreens, then he could, he could stop that. But if it's regular, I mean not the state of california then he has no control am i correct
2: correct
1: thank you uh dre dre in the chat can you clarify your xxxx X, X, X for me please thank you Dre. okay ah oh, wow let's see how it goes though you know when you talk with politics 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 in the mix of everything huh some political ploy. Go right ahead, go ahead. My apologies. James, come on through.
10: Yeah, um you know, start you know, sitting on the sideline looking at these type of stuff, it just seemed like almost like a decoy. Like you wonder if, if like there's some some other agenda going on and they just put this as a decoy to, to, to distract people. Because you know, like in our election cycle like items that come like that takes forefront Uh almost every election cycle is education um healthcare and the the um the the disadvantage the people that you know how do how do we get minimum wage up to like a livable wages like we've never i've never seen i've been here like 12 years i've never seen an election cycle where um someone's sexual preference is like on the forefront or someone's personal choice is is on the forefront so it's it's kind of puzzling to me so it just seemed like almost like a distraction because if you don't care about health care if you don't care about um, people that are making minimum wage why would you care about someone abortion like you know like why would you care about that if you don't care about the other um, parts of these people, if you don't care about single mom doing minimum wage, you know, young men leaving school minimum wage, if you don't care about that, why do you care about your sexual preference or what they do with their body? So it just seemed like a distraction, like they just like both parties are just like distracting people while they do get their other agenda done. That, that's that's just how it seemed to me. It don't make sense. I have just to don't agree with sense. you,
1: James. I have to agree with you. I really
9: have to agree with you. Yeah, the, there was a segment yesterday by former Maryland Republican Governor Logan criticizing the excess social cultural wars revived in the right handed parties of the US as unproductive for winning elections for the party as the last election shows so indeed a lot of these cultural wars are stirring media and attention and fundraising but do not actually convert to real elections because people are more concerned about personal economy and real matters
1: wow (sighs) thank you gentlemen thank you everyone thank you thank you thank you thank you sunet uh Senator Tim Scott is a different kind of Republican who could reshape the 2024 election, story courtesy of NPR.org. There is something different about the presidential aspirations of South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Several things, in fact, should Scott decide to make his candidacy official, Those differences could alter the trajectory of the 2024 race. Can you imagine next year already? Beyond that, they might even bend the arc of history. While there's absolutely nothing groundbreaking about a senator wanting to move his office 16 blocks down Pennsylvania Avenue, the lure of the White House has had enticed uh, senators since the early 1800s and equally so regardless of party. Scott is just another ambitious senator from one of the major parties who goes on a national listening tour or visits Iowa around President's Day, checking out the site of the caucuses that will commence the GOP's nominating process next year. Scott is also black, and that makes him anything but typical in the Senate. Indeed, he is one of the just three black senators today, four if you count uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, who is the ceremonial president of the Senate and votes to break ties. Even among this select group, Scott stands out because he is its only Republican. In fact, he is only the second black Republican the voters of any state have sent to Washington in all of American history. Take a moment to let that sink in. A minority within a minority. The first black Republican senator was Edward W. Brooke III of Massachusetts, elected to serve two terms from 1967 to 1979. In the 1870s, two black men who were Republicans, Hiram Revels and Blanche Bruce, represented Mississippi in the Senate during the Reconstruction period that followed the Civil War. But like all senators in that era, They were not chosen at the ballot box. They were appointed by the governor or elected by their state legislator. And in Mississippi in those years, the legislature was watched over by federal troops. After those troops left, segregationists and Jim Crow laws soon brought an end to the first era of African Americans in the Senate. It was not until Brooke in the 1960s that the Senate's color line was crossed again. And it was a dozen years after Brooke retired before the Senate welcomed Carol Mosley Brown of Illinois, the first black woman senator and also the first to be a Democrat. A dozen years later, that Illinois seat would be Barack Obama's. Since then, six more African Americans have served in the Senate, all Democrats except Scott. The most recent is Raphael Warnock of Georgia, who defeated an incumbent Republican in 2021 and was re-elected to a full term this last November. Warnock and Scott are the only African-Americans from the Deep South to have ever won a popular election to the Senate. Well, let's talk about Scott and the 2024 landscape. The 2024 republican primaries are shaping up as a contest between former president donald trump and a flock of lesser figures who hope the front runner stumbles or fades there is also the prospect of being the running mate either for trump or for someone else in fact many see scott has won in a growing field of contestants for vice president and He plays the part, straddling the fence much as the others do, speaking of the party's need for new leaders, but covering his bets by not attacking Trump directly. In this, he is like his one-time benefactor, Nikki Haley, who as governor of South Carolina in 2013, lifted Scott from his House seat with a senatorial appointment. He subsequently won election to the seat in 2016 and 2022. Haley herself is a declared candidate for president, talking about a new generation taking over, but not criticizing the former president who appointed her U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. It sounds dismissive to say someone is running for VP, but we should remember that six of the 14 vice presidents elected before Harris have become president, including President Biden and Presidents George H.W. Bush, Gerald Ford, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, and Harry Truman. Several other vice presidents at least got the next party nomination for president, including Al Gore, who won the popular vote in 2000. In short, there is no better route to the Oval Office than through the office of the president. It should also be noted that running for president and dropping out early has been an excellent way to get on the national ticket, albeit in the second slot. (laughs) <laughs> i'm chuckling as i'm reading and the, re- the reason for my chuckling is um being very calculating with what you say as you campaign and yes i agree uh taking the route of being vice president as a as an option is not a bad idea to get into the oval office Thereby, you're able to prove yourself, make your mark, you know, kind of like when the dog pees on the fire hydrant. And, you know, yeah. So, um, interesting though, my question is, if Donald Trump, if, (laughs) big if, please don't let it happen. But if Donald Trump were to go back into the White House, do we see him? taking on tim scott as vice president
16: possibly right uh you know but that would depend on the relationship him and tim scott have he might do it so he could just so he can like uh you know say okay democrats are going to play the whole race thing so i got tim scott here what you going to say now i'm sure i'm sure he'd do that he said you you had kamala harris now I got now, now I got Tim Scott so he might do he might do that but I think he would be more likely to pick Nikki Haley because she was she was the ambassador to the UN for him right mm-hmm. and she's also vying she's also vying for uh, as the first uh, Indian American woman you know to declare her candidacy she's also vying for a VP oh. none of the, none of them going to actually get the nomination so could
1: could do it could do it right could do it you're you're right David. But if he goes for Mickey Haley, hold on, Donald, one second. Let me just get this out real quick. If he goes for Mickey Haley, it would be to make a statement. See, I don't just grab women, but I also put them on pedestals. If he goes with Tim Scott, that, especially with the current state of mind of the um, black community and um, communities of color, that would be a good marketing ploy for him as well and say, hey, see, y'all call me racist, but I do like black folks. Here is Tim Scott. Go right ahead, Donald. Yeah. I'm sorry, Donald. Go ahead, David, and then back to you,
16: Donald. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. because, you know, if Donald Trump were to win and get another term, he only's got one term, right? Right. So it would only be four years, and then that would put either Tim Scott or Nikki Haley right in the position uh, to be president. Because Kamala Harris is never going to be the nominee, you know, even though she's the VP. She's just not. She's not very good at her job. The Democratic Party knows she's not very good at her job and they're just trying to figure out how do we, how do we move her out of the way eventually to right. get somebody better, so, yeah. All
1: right, thank you, David. Go ahead, Donald.
15: The universal truth is the same way there is no qualification for to be a politician. It's the same way politicians would do anything they deem necessary at a point in time to give them votes. It's that simple. There is no criteria or nothing. Okay, you're the best candidate to be the Vice President now, based on whatever metrics, you will be the Vice President. And the next day they could change their mind and choose somebody else if it favors them. That's the thing with politics. There is no no playbook. Everybody do as they like. They will contradict themselves. They will change philosophy, mid-stride. It doesn't matter. Especially in this climate, nothing matters but winning. <laughs>
1: exactly.
5: Well, we've already said the power of uh, the president. The president essentially is a figurehead, except for when he uses executive powers, which is few and far between, which they try not to use. Because that is, you know, that's a no-no. A big no-no is using, you know, those executive powers and those orders and stuff to push agendas. Um it had you know, there has been precedents of that and it always has backfired when it has occurred. The true power lies with the representatives. Again, people go out, vote at those midterms if you don't want to see Trump in office.
2: Hmm.
5: Or even if he is, if you have the proper if if the Democrats or whoever runs the House and the Senate and you know, you have the proper representation, you won't have to worry about the laws he's trying to enact because you appointed the right representatives to push back on whatever he tries to push forth.
1: All right, thank you so much, everyone. So we have a question in the chat, um, in the back channel rather. What is the job of a vice president? Okay, so we're gonna see what is their role. According to Google, according to Google, the vice president other than to succeed the presidency upon the death or resignation of a president a vice president's only constitutional duty is to preside over the senate vice presidents cannot vote in the senate except to break a tie nor may they formally address the senate except with the senator's permission
0: yeah
13: So, um, they didn't say this, but it's the president advisor also. I think they they, they advised the president also. Yes. Okay. Alright. Mm.
10: But but is there really a realistic chance that Donald Trump could get back in?
1: <laughs> I, I tell you something. We have Donald Trump 2.0 out of Florida, and I think he is going to knock Donald Trump down.
10: Yeah, because the, the thing with Donald Trump now, like you know, the last election cycle, like, a lot of... Especially um, conservative media, like, had this bet that um, Joe Biden is going to become the first, what, like, one of the most recent president to die in... Lord in, have
8: mercy.
10: In, in, no, like, it was it was out there. Like, they were like, oh, look at his age. Like, he's not going to survive the term, <laughs> you oh, know? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, Y'all are so wicked. Yeah, so are they going to put Donald Trump, like... Like we're looking at five, five and a half more years. going <laughs> to
1: And then what? We bury him next to Ivanka on the, on the um, golf <laughs> course. Oh Lord have mercy.
5: You know, I mean, well, you know why he did that? He did that for tax purposes. Oh yeah.
1: Can you imagine your, and, and what gets me with him? And I know we're not going off on a tangent, but real quick, how can the children, her children support that? Even in the woman's death, we are going to use her money oh my gosh go ahead Dre
13: remember they are rich people you know that's all they think so they don't see anything wrong with it (laughs) they would do it themselves (laughs) that's all they think you know yeah we can save some money here let's use mom
1: oh Jesus have mercy this is you know what (laughs) but yeah um I I I don't see him going up against the sound winning I think DeSantis is gonna take that from him. But what is more concerning to me is or is it just me or I'm not paying attention? The Democrats are awfully quiet. What's going on there? Who is getting ready? Who are the ones that are getting ready
16: to step up? I mean, it was supposed to be Pete Buttigieg, but then this whole but then, you know, uh this whole thing going on with uh, Palestine and his time as transportation secretary because that was supposed to be the role to keep him like out of the spotlight so he could be set up to potentially be the democratic candidate now that's just not going to happen right so he's out of it they don't really have a right now the democratic party doesn't really have their new uh you know that new figure or the new young figure or whatever middle-aged figure to come up so they're kind of at a loss right so the only thing they can do right now is keep with joe biden and then hoping in in four more years if you know joe biden wins again right four more years if they can come up with a with the with the with a good candidate uh to put up cuz they had a lot now
12: right and and they I mean they you know America would not elect against a gay president it would not happen as much as I'd like to see that happen it would not happen put a judge would not win sorry to say i mean
5: the democrats has options it's just that those people are not going they they don't feel like there's no real power in the presidency so they're not going to run like i said for years just because i've seen him in action and i worked on his Pat governor mark warren and ex-governor of virginia like the years he ran virginia they were in the black he got rid of all the debts he's improved the education system he did so much for virginia and it trickled into dc and maryland and even governor hogan of maryland as well like i will say the tri-state area of maryland actually did uh, maryland dc and virginia Has really good candidates. Hogan might run, but I don't think he will. Um, That those are the potential. So if they can encourage them to run, the Democrats have a chance.
1: Hmm. And what what playbook are they going to use this time around?
5: For I know Governor Martin; he's on the Securities Council as well as a few other ones, and he's very budget conscious and stuff like that. He's a uh, a he's conservative with the budget. As well as with the taxes And he spends properly He's not a social democrat Where everything, you know, like the bleeding heart democrat He's right. very in middle of the road So that's how I, I know for sure he would run
1: Okay And he would be a good candidate Go ahead Donna, go a
15: really ahead Excellent candidate. I'm sorry, um, policies don't win election Charisma does If people don't <laughs> like you It doesn't matter how good policy you have Unless you have like an ex- Outstanding team behind you People like the people that talk pretty and make a lot of noise and says nothing. That's what people like. I yes, see no, not no politician not like coming. On Elle, with hold on,
1: L, Hold on, L. I'm sorry, I, I wasn't hearing you, Donald. Go again.
15: I don't see any politician coming. With they could come with the best policies in this climate. If you're not charismatic, for the Democratic Party, uh-huh. I'm sorry, you're not winning anything. You're not even getting the nomination. You're not even coming close. So,
16: Well, you know, Gavin Newsom has been trying, uh, our governor of California, Gavin Newsom has been trying, he's been trying to set himself up to run since he was uh, the mayor of San Francisco, where, I mean, sure, uh, uh, it, looking back, it, he legalized same-sex marriage, as the sort of right thing to do in the city where he was the mayor, but he literally did that just for the politics of it, to set himself up, to be say, look at me, uh, uh, I'm the future of the Democratic Party, Then he tried to run First, he tried to run for governor, but then there was a popular, more popular Democrat. So he dropped out of that and said, I'll be lieutenant governor, got mad at being lieutenant governor because it was like, he didn't get to do anything. And then obviously ran for governor again. And, you know, maybe several months ago last year, he made these commercials in Florida talking about, come to California, you know, we are free. We're this, although people were rolling eyes because the taxes is too damn high out here. So we're it's But he has been trying to stake his claim, at least to somebody. Uh, who he thinks the Democratic Party should give a shot to, but again, yeah, I don't think we'll ever have a governor from uh, or a president that comes from California again. Yeah, we're just too different of a state.
1: <laughs> I'm interested to see what's going to happen. Um, I, I I really want to know how it's going to go for the Democrats. Who, wh- <laughs> oh Lord, forgive me, but I don't think Joe is it. I really don't think he's going to stand a chance. Um, unfortunately and as we understand how politics works and you know yes as we spoke yesterday that any president that comes in is coming in on the heels of the former presidency and their administration and what they failed and succeeded at right and unfortunately that's the basket they have to carry um and because of Things that were signed off on, bills that were signed off on and came into effect during um, Biden's term, it would look as though he is at fault, right? And we know that's how it goes. But boy, age, I think, is a huge issue for him. I wouldn't recommend him run again, but they feel he's the best option right now for the Democratic Party. I don't know.
15: A delusional
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead Fabian good morning.
8: Did good morning. Uh did we expect Biden to even be president? I mean <laughs> the the optics were there three years ago, right? So what has really changed? And I tell you what, as and I was one of the doubters too, so I can admit that, but You know, we're so enamored with these charismatic leaders, you know, uh, President Obama, for example. And Biden definitely is cut from a different cloth. Uh, You don't hear from him Uh, when he talks. He stumbles often and he says stuff for the left field, you know, but I wouldn't put it past him. What he has done is uh, he's taken a different approach to uh, politicking. It's kind of unique to me in that uh, he's not out there responding to all these attacks, nor feels an obligation, it seems, to respond to uh, personal attacks on him. He kind of just uh, ignores it and, and kind of let the dust settle. And so far, um, despite the optics, it's working. Uh, so I would not put it past him, even at his advanced stage, uh, to, to be reelected. But I might be wrong. Yes. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Phoebe. We have a question in the chat. Isn't it mandatory for Joe to run, is it?
16: Nope, it's not. No, he can decide not to run.
1: Okay, so there you go, Javet. He can decide not to run. Okay, all right. Next up, one dead, eight injured after what appears to be the result of a large crowd pushing at a concert in Rochester, New York. Story courtesy of CNN via WSVN. A 33-year-old woman is dead and eight others are injured as a result of a large crowd pushing during a concert that happened Sunday night in Rochester, New York, according to police. Police initially responded to a report of shots fired inside the Main Street Armory event venue. At around 11.05 p.m., officers found several people injured inside but saw no evidence of a shooting. Upon further investigation, none of the injuries sustained to any of the victims were consistent with a person being shot. The injuries appeared to be as a result of a large crowd pushing towards the exits. Following accounts of individuals hearing what they believed to be gunshots, the tragedy follows a series of deadly crowd surges at entertainment events. In 2021, eight people died at the Astro World Music Festival in Houston. Last fall, 158 people were killed in a crush of people during Halloween festivities in a nightlife district of Seoul, South Korea. Authorities in Rochester have not publicly identified the woman who died. Biden administration considering reviving detention of migrant families who cross the border illegally. Story courtesy of CNN Politics. The Biden administration is considering reinstating the policy of detaining migrant families who cross the border illegally. A practice Joe Biden had ended when he came into office, two administration officials have said. It is one of several options administration officials are mulling as they prepare for the end of Title 42, the public health order that allows border agents to immediately turn away certain migrants who crossed the southern border illegally. White House and Department of Homeland Security officials have had multiple meetings in recent days to discuss the possibility of reviving the practice ahead of the anticipated expiration. Of title 42 in May and as migrant border crossings remain high the White House declined to comment no decisions have been made as we prepare for the title 42 public health order to lift that's according to a Homeland Security spokesperson speaking with CNN the administration will continue to prioritize safe orderly and humane processing of migrants one official said the administration is looking at multiple options for how to handle migrant families at the southern border, not all of them involving family detention. Another source familiar with the deliberations added that among the options discussed are some that would not involve detaining families in ICE facilities. This source said that family detentions would be limited to a small number of days an attempt to set the policy apart from the Trump administration's handling of any family detentions. The New York Times was first to report to the possible policy change. How we feel about that? Hmm. How we feel about that one? Revisiting something that he, w- he went against that he did not agree with. Could it be then that that was the most viable option, the most reasonable?
9: I'm not familiar with other countries' treatments, but I feel like of 210 countries, hasn't somebody figured this border control thing out yet? I truly don't know.
1: (laughs) Nobody seems to be able to figure it out. And do they want to figure it out? That's the other question.
9: Yes, these immigrants are not voters, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. But what they're missing out is um, the opportunity to collect revenue. Go right ahead. Because we complain about the burden that immigrants are placing on on, on the system, right? Go right ahead, Donald.
15: One thing happens sometimes when you're in opposition, it's easy to, to condemn and criticize policies, especially if they give you political mileage. But when you have to govern, you're in a different chair. And sometimes, something you may have had to uh, disagree with to give you, get you in office, you might realize it might be the best possible solution when you get there. Because then you look at it from a different perspective. Also, we're talking about fixing the border situation. What about the darker children who came here, married, have husband and children, went to college, graduate, now have children in college, and we can't fix them yet? What are we talking about border? <laughs> And these are people that are here.
1: The dreamers, right? That's that's the term?
15: Some of them die in the sleep.
1: <laughs> Lord help us. But you you have made a valid point. But also, I'm asking the question again. I know I asked the question before. We can't get an answer. What happened to the children that were taken during Trump's administration at the border? Where are they? Where are those children?
9: Last I heard, they got up to like a third of them reunited. I don't know if more progress was made.
1: I hope. I really hope.
9: Probably.
1: Uh (laughs) The city of Memphis says it has completed its investigation into Tyree Nichols' death. Story courtesy of NPR. The city of Memphis has completed its investigation into the beating death of Tyree Nichols, officials have announced. During a city council meeting on Tuesday, Memphis City Chief Legal Officer Jennifer Sink said that the city is also ready to release additional information, including nearly 20 hours of video and audio from the scene of Nichols' death. And that is to be released to the public on Wednesday afternoon, so we're going to stay tuned for that. Both the city's police and fire departments have been conducting administrative investigations to determine whether any employees involved in the incident violated department policies, according to SYNC. The 20 hours of new video and audio will be released by the director of communications via Vimeo, as the previous body camera footage was released to the public in late January. SYNC said the city will also release redacted documents, Related to the charges and administrative investigations against those involved in Nichols' death. It is unclear at this time as to why the additional audio and video are now being released separately from the original footage. Twenty hours of video, that that that's a lot. Okay. We are here for it. We're gonna see. And that story wraps up news out of North America. After the break, we have business and tech news as well as health and science. Here's a little bit more from Celia Cruz, our hashtag WCW artist. For today, we celebrate women. One of my favorites from her...
0: tumbao y cuando la gente la va mirando allá va
1: to 1947. Her first recordings, Isolina Carrido, was one of the first people to recognize Cruz's ability to sing Afro-Cuban music and asked her to join her. She later joined Orquesta de Ernesto Duarte, Gloria Mantancera, Sonora Caracas, and Orquesta Anacanoa. From 1947, she started to sing in Havana's most popular cabarets, Tropicana, San Susi, Bamboo, Topeka, etc. In 1948, Roderico Rodney Nera founded the group of dancers and singers, Las Mulatas de Fuego, the Fiery Mulattas. Cruz was hired with this group as a singer reaching great success and making presentations in Mexico and Venezuela, where she made her first recordings her big break came in the 1950s when merta silva the singer of cuba's sonora mantancerra returned to her native puerto rico since they were in need of a new singer the band decided to give the young celia cruz a chance. And the rest, my friends, is history. to everyone listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com for quality music while you work or play. And thank you to everyone listening on JohnNoRadio.com that non-stop party vibe. Take us on the go, download that app. los La noche se agita Se escucha un
0: tambor de it is
1: hashtag WCW, we celebrate women, and yes, that's what we do every Wednesday.
0: El tambor mayor repica, ya la ceremonia va a empezar, esta noche madre rumba, un nuevo rumbero parirá, nacerá, un mulato con manos y minas, una nueva historia tambor llevará. La ceremonia va a empezar. Esta noche madre rumba, un nuevo rumbero parirá. Nacerá un mulato con manos divinas y miras, una nueva historia tambor llevará. Nadie sabe pegarle a los jueves con el sentimiento de Ben
1: to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. of course, this is where the conversation happens. You're here with me for coffee Intel, world news on the go, and everyone listening online. Thank you so much for tuning in wherever you are in the world. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. Remember, you can find me on Twitter at me media moments, on Instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and on TikTok with me media and the mean, everything is M I. And it's time for us to get into business and tech news. Thank you once again, Celia Cruz. <laughs> first up elon musk publicly mocks a twitter worker with disability who is unsure whether he's been laid off and there is a follow-up to this he has apologized story courtesy of CNN, Elon Musk publicly scoffed at a Twitter employee's uncertainty about whether he had been laid off in a recent round of cuts and spoke dismissively of the employee's disability in a series of tweets on Monday night. It is the latest example of the billionaire openly antagonizing his company's current and former staffers. Harald Dörr, an Iceland-based Twitter senior director, tweeted at Musk that access to his computer had been cut off nine days earlier when Twitter reportedly laid off some 200 employees. But Harald Dörr said in his tweet, Your head of HR is not able to confirm if I am an employee or not. And this is a tweet I'm going to read. Uh, hi again at Elon Musk. I hope you are well. I'm fine too. I'm thankful for your interest in my health. But since you mentioned it, I want to give you more info. I have muscular dystrophy. Dystrophy, sorry. I said it right, right? Dystrophy. I know it's when your muscles dystrophy. dystrophy. Yeah. Thank you. I think it's when your muscles go weak, right? Mm. All right. Good. So it has many effects on my body. Let me tell you what they are. And of course, that is in response to Elon's tweet. And I'm going to read Elon's tweet. Uh, The reality is that this guy who is independently wealthy, did no actual work, claimed as his excuse that he had a disability that prevented him from typing, yet was simultaneously tweeting up a storm. Can't say I have a lot of respect for that. Musk responded in a tweet asking, what work have you been doing? Then, of course, the gentleman responded with a list of his tasks. Musk appeared to cast doubt on several points. Picks or it didn't happen, he tweeted. In a separate tweet, the billionaire said the guy did no actual work. You know, some people don't deserve to be um wealthy. Some people don't deserve to be in roles of leadership or owners of industries. I'm sorry. They have no scruples and no class, no class, no decorum, no etiquette, nothing. Who dragged you up, Musk? Clearly you were dragged up. You were not raised with any decency. You don't do that. That is not how you approach situations. Furthermore, if someone is being terminated or their contracts are uh, no longer needed, isn't there a right way to go about handling these things? And then if someone goes and makes a public statement, uh, is this how you respond in a childish manner?
3: Good morning again. Good morning, Javette. I am so over this apology. Well, you have cancer culture and now you have apology culture. <laughs> think about what you're gonna say before you open your mouth and let it out. Period, point blank. Just think about it. why You said it, why, you come, why, you, why, why are you coming back to apologize now? What, what is that apology supposed to do? Just ridiculous
2: totally so ridiculous i would love to be his lawyer
1: i was hearing two people at once who was going first uh, dre i heard you and then i heard another voice i'm sorry go ahead dre. Go no
2: ahead.
13: I, I would go ahead. just i would just say,ing i would love to be his lawyer because man i'm supposed to have lawsuit left right and center like that 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 didn't even deserve a response from him. Like, let HR handle that issue. Like, this man supposed to dig himself in so many holes, man. He's like, I would love to be his lawyer. Trust me.
1: You just lick your fingers, right?
13: Exactly. I I wouldn't even gear him the right way. <laughs> like, don't respond to certain tweets. Like, that. that's simple. Like, that's an HR issue. Don't respond to it you you're making yourself too easily accessible dude like you respond to everything everything bothers you you give an opinion about everything like with your wealth you're not supposed to be doing that like come on stick to being the ceo and growing the company and let hr handle hr things if you want a response to somebody you just lead them back to hrs to be his lawyer (laughs)
5: the reason why it's like this cuz the these owners like Elon is not a business owner he's a celebrity now oh. and this is the type of stuff that celebrities do they and also too the apology culture i agree with you but that's why the cancel culture it exists which even though it's used w- like wrong mostly wrong sometimes sadly but this is why you have it because the only way you can change people like this is um, behavior is if you hurt them financially.
1: And that's a shame.
10: Yeah, yeah to me, the, 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 the this whole apology culture that, that's been trending for the past year and a half or so, like I see it almost like, as like, to me, come across as marketing because we have seen over the past year, like five or six massive companies that, that put out, some extremely controversial stuff one of the clothing line with the, with the monkey thing with the little black boy and oh, stuff H&M. like that and i think
1: that was yeah H&M. and, mm-hmm.
10: yeah and they put out they put out these stuff and then it gets their company trending and you know like everything is about trending with social media these days so i refuse to believe that in a boardroom um 12 people or fifteen people, or however much people sit down with PhD, with with they're at the top of their game in whatever they do. Marketing, um, sales, all these stuff, and, and all of them sit down and sign off on some of these controversial stuff and it gets out. I, I believe that these things are marketing, they're planned, and they weigh the pros and the cons. They're like, okay, um five percent of our company are are like black or black women or whatever. So the risk, you know, and if they say like 75% is like white women, they're not going to um, stop buying from us because we made this blunder. So let, let's just put it out there. Our company go trending. We come out with a, with an apology. And then two weeks, you know, we, we, we trend and we sell millions of dollars and nobody care about the story anymore. That's how I feel about it. To
1: support your argument, James, just look at Gucci. Look at Gucci. And T.I., I I remember um, the rapper T.I. came out asking everybody to boycott Gucci. And what did everybody do? Not. You're right. They have done their um, marketing analysis and their um, human behavior analysis studies. And they they recognize. And so I I have to agree that they must have carved out something in the budget to say, this is to handle things, right, Dre? So that if we, (laughs) we can pay you, right, Dre? And take care of suits and settlements.
5: Yeah, but most of people have taken the thing from uh, Trump. Whereas, no, no publicity is bad publicity. So, whether it's good or bad,
1: as long as people are talking about you, that's all that matters. Such a shame. Uh, Thank you, El. Go ahead, Dre. Go right ahead. That's such a shame.
13: Oh no, no, I I wasn't going to say anything. Sorry.
1: Yeah, such a shame. We don't care. We really don't care. As long as they're talking about us, as long as it keeps me at the forefront. And you know, you're right. You're absolutely right. Because Musk is in the news at least three times out of the week. At least. We're here, what, five days a week? And even if I don't talk about him, just going through and putting the articles together, I see his name. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, I can't. Kind of like Trump. Oh, gosh, I can't.
10: And it's not affecting Tesla. That's the thing.
1: It's not. Even though there are more recalls. Again, I hope y'all caught that. I didn't bring it up, but I'm sick of the recalls. Yeah. Go ahead, David. But if,
16: Sorry, but but if the media really wanted to do do something, they would just not talk about it. But they just can't. But they just can't help it because they need some ratings, and they just think, well, maybe if if we mentioned the latest tweet he did, the latest thing he said, they're gonna get ratings. So they're so desperate for ratings that they need they they need they need a quote unquote Trump-like figure, or someone like that. So yeah, they, they, <laughs> they try to keep people tuning in.
1: It's called dollars and cents, right, David?
15: They're rubbing their hands together waiting for the election cycle to start. <laughs> to cover this same Donald Trump they so like to hate.
1: <laughs> but remember, media is all about sensationalism. That's what brings in dollars and cents. Everybody's doing things for likes, not for the love of it. Who, who loves anything anymore? Loving anything isn't important anymore. It's all about likes, the likes. You know, who watched the Chris Rock um, special on Netflix? I watched it. And he was he, he made a valid point. Why are we eating ice cream? And this is not what he said, but I'm just throwing out examples similar to what he used. We're eating ice cream and we've got to put up a picture. Let's see how many people like it. I do this, then post it, anything, and then we're quick to run to see how many people like it. And if you get the likes, you're like, yes, they like me and I feel good, I feel validated. And if you don't like it, then I go into depression because nobody's accepting me and nobody's liking me. No wonder we have mental is- mental health issues, concerns, especially when it affects young people because everybody is taught to do things for likes. And if you scroll through TikTok, you scroll through Instagram, that is why you will find more and more people exposing their bodies because everybody's doing it for likes.
15: I saw a friend of mine like a picture of another friend who she thought was a terrible picture i asked why did i like it well if i don't like it she would see i don't like it and then that might be a problem
1: so i'm to stroke your ego
15: that's what i do i was so perplexed <laughs> i was like so you just can't ignore it no oh,
1: it's, it's sad it's really sad it is truly sad but anyway all right, so Uber is making it easier for you to find your ride at the airport.
8: It's a little easier. The Rideshare Company announcing a new feature in the app, showing step-by-step instructions on how to navigate through airports to the Uber pickup area. More than 30 airports are available, including Miami International. You can also reserve rides up to 90 days in advance now.
1: Okay, that's it. That okay that's the store folks so now you can do that <laughs> so um yeah they made the reveal is it something that will be beneficial
12: yes okay so when i got back i don't use uber i use lyft i stopped using uber many years ago um i forgot the controversy and i was like okay yeah you don't need my money and i i, I honestly have forgotten what it is now so yeah so you can cancel i cancelled it i don't remember why but i don't use them anyway Real story Uber that if Uber doesn't lift, we'll do it. We got to the back to the airport, and my car was parked off site, so I needed my car to go home. So then, okay, take a lift to the hotel where I parked my car. Um, it took us 20 minutes to find out where the Uber pickup site was at the airport. Because it is so complicated. You can't just go, you can't go to the curb anymore because they're not regulated taxis, so they can't use them at a taxi stand. You have to go, it was like in the parking lot, but not on the ground level, on the upper level. So you have to go, like you're going to your car. If you'd park on an hourly parking spot, go up, go down, go around. It took us 20 minutes to figure out where it was, and then another 15 to walk there. So it was just like, Make this easier. So, yes, thank you. They make it easier. Many more people will be happy about it. Okay.
1: Thank you for your, sharing your experience, Annette. All right. So, in addition to helping riders and drivers find each other at the right place, the update also aims to reduce traffic congestion and idle time for drivers at the curb some of the u.s airports where this uh feature will be available include all three of new york city's main airports john f kennedy LaGuardia, and newark liberty as well as los angeles international airport san francisco international airport there you go sanette atlantis hartsfield jackson international airport and miami international there we go so glad to know that it will be beneficial
10: you, you know, you know how I feel about Uber already. <laughs> you know, to me—that's right. You too. To to me, Uber is one of the most dangerous companies in modern history.
1: Oh my!
10: No, seriously, because no, I no. Remember, remember, I tell you the experience. I know how you feel. I know the experiences with Uber Eat and all the they use restaurants and and stuff and and take numbers and do their own stuff and. And then now they're into their own um ghost kitchen type of stuff. And now with Uber Ride, I don't know if, if people realize that Uber um they're taking consumers' money and putting it into self um driven cars research. They're leading, they're one of the companies that are leading in terms of funding self-driven cars. So now what was seen as like, you know what, this is a good side hustle. You do your nine-to-five, you have your car, you want to make some extra money for, for groceries, you you leave work, you just put on your Uber sign and you're good to go. Now they're trying to get drivers out of the way because they are leading in self-driven cars. So when you take away jobs from everybody, who works? Where are the consumers that that buy stuff? And, and to me, that's a dangerous um, way they're going. And... You know, I see truck drivers following, the the trucking companies following their lead. We're talking about um, self-driven truck. And I don't, it's scary what the next 20 years is going to look like. All of us as human beings are going to be homeless and watching robots, you know, taking (laughs) over our jobs.
1: (laughs) Oh boy. Okay, so Geely in the chat, real quick, let me just mention this real quick. Um, Geely put, Donald first said, Definitely beneficial. Finding them in airports can be a nightmare. And Gili said, I thought this was already a thing. In South Africa or Tambo Airport, it was a breeze finding my Uber. There's arrows showing the designated Uber parking lot. Oh, my gosh. So we are behind in the, uh, what do you call this? We're global leaders, right? We're innovators, but yet we're behind.
16: You know what's what's so funny? I remember... uh, Because, you know, the taxi system in San Francisco has always been terrible. And I guess this is where a lot of parts of the country, but they were it was always terrible. You got to go find somewhere to wait for them. You know, depending on how far you go, they want to pick you up or not. And the taxi driver is usually angry, you know. (laughs) You know they're playing some kind of music or some kind of a uh, radio program that you don't really care about right 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 and they take the slowest longest route to get there so you sit there watching the meter like okay it's going up and up and up <laughs> you know so so uber whatever you know just ride here in general we always went uber not that was a breath of fresh air because it's like okay they pick you up they take you where you need to go you know they don't bother you you know you know it, sometimes you have a conversation you know sometimes it's just fine so I'm like you know. Being able to get to the airport you know uh, you know as, as quickly as being able to do that and it, that sounds like a good thing to me the only taxi system i thought was pretty good despite some of his racial issues was the you know the new york one because if you get a taxi in new york and you say on the double I means you got to get there fast they know how to get you there fast they're not trying to they're not trying to waste your time right because they can get a lot of rides but yeah san Francisco's taxi system terrible
1: <laughs> all right thank you so much david so this seems to be good news for uber and i'm sure Other platforms, if they're not already doing so, are going to follow suit. All right, next up, Facebook and Google share user data with police for prosecution of abortion seekers. Story courtesy of BallerAlert.com. Oh my gosh. Law enforcement is requesting social media data from companies like Facebook and Google to build cases and prosecute people after crimes have been committed. And sometimes these crimes involve abortion. And these tech companies are turning over user chat logs and search history to help out the cops. For example, a woman and her daughter in Nebraska are facing charges of performing an illegal abortion. And guess who gave prosecutors a piece of evidence? You got it. Facebook via some internal chat logs that revealed the mother and daughter had discussed finding abortion inducing medication through the app. Um, Oh Jesus! When we had the Roe versus Wade overturned, weren't we very uh, not, not us? Let, let me re- back the heck up. Let me back up. All over social media, especially on TikTok, and that's probably why they want to ban TikTok. But all over on TikTok, people were saying, "Go underground. Stop putting everything on social media. Do not incriminate yourselves." They weren't listening
12: they weren't listening
1: well i can't feel sorry for you
12: some people only things only affect them when it affects them they don't pay attention to anything until they are the ones under under fire so like that that's dumb i mean okay let me let me be be nicer to (laughs) that that's unfortunate um the things we stopped doing immediately when roe v wade got overturned stop tracking your period exactly I, I go to my doctor the doctor said you, when was the last time you had a period oh, I don't know I had one last month that's it you don't need to know the date you don't need to know my regularity you don't need to know any of that anymore and you don't need that's that's why I is against the Walgreens thing hmm. if you need birth control you should be able to get it from from the drugstore without a, any consequence you should be able to call up some friends on a phone, have a verbal conversation. Don't put it out on some on any other third party site. People are uh, not... un- That's unfortunate. So Ned, that's unfortunate.
1: Sonet, you know, I'm sorry. I have to go with your first um, choice of words, dumb, and I'm gonna add af to it because everybody was saying, do not put, do not get the app, do not do this, do not do that. So you thought you were gonna be protected by whom? By whom? I can't feel sorry for you because clearly you're on social media because you're using it to source information. A- oh yeah, yeah. But Donald made a valid point in the chat. He said, "But the Chinese and TikTok, we have to worry about when the num. We have our problems right here, which are even more detrimental to us." Go right Absolutely.
12: Ahead. This is this is not new information. We know that Google and Facebook and and Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, just if y'all didn't know, um, and, but y'all know, um, they will share information if pressed. If you ask for a police report, I don't think, they, yeah, I think you, a police report will be requested a court order, but they will give the information up. They're not gonna say, no, we're protecting your privacy. Read the what you're signing. Read what you're signing. Don't commit crimes and post it over the internet. Exactly.
1: Exactly. I, I don't know. I hope some I hope other folks will see this and take heed and be smarter with how they go about their business. That's all I can say at this point in time. We talk too much. We have this need to make everybody know our business. <sighs> Biden is expected to tighten titan- <laughs> how how, how um, ironic it is that this story follows your statement, right? Biden is expected to tighten rules on U.S. investment in China. Story courtesy of the Associated Press, the Biden administration is close to tightening rules on some overseas investments by U.S. companies in an effort to limit China's ability to acquire technologies that could improve its military prowess. And that's according to a U.S. official, Familiar with the deliberations. The soon to be issued executive order from President Joe Biden will limit American investment in advanced technologies that have national security implications, such as next generation military capabilities that could help China improve the need and accuracy of military decision making. That's according to the official who was not authorized to comment and spoke on the condition of anonymity. All right, pump the brakes right here. So here's my recommendation to everyone listening who has 100,000 followers and up, or if you know anyone with 100,000 followers and up, uh, anyone, let let me come back down. Let me start at the bottom, starting from the bottom. Now we're here. Okay. A thousand followers, which allows you to go live. That's going to be taken away from you understand that people struggled to get to a thousand followers to go live. I I went live a couple of times. I realized it's really not me. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do it too much stress. Okay. So there are people who rely on being able to go live. They use it as a marketing tool to grow their businesses. They use it as a networking tool. All right. So that opportunity is going to be ripped away from you. Then let's go up to 10,000. Where you may be able to pick up sponsorship deals right you because you now have ten thousand followers other people are going to what's the what's the right term um when you not a sponsor you know when you become a spokesperson what's the term in marketing i forgot but when you become that person that companies now pay to wear their brands and promote their brands that's going to be stripped away from you all right then let's get up to those who are at a hundred thousand followers where TikTok pays them. Influencer. Thank you, Javette. Thank you. Influencer. You people have quit their corporate jobs to become full-time influencers because it's paying them a hundred times more than what they were making. Sitting down, doing a nine-to-five, taking BS from um, frustrated supervisors, disgruntled managers, CEOs who thought that their um, crap can make food. It gave them the opportunity to become entrepreneurs. And you're gonna take that away from them. Brand ambassadors is another term. Yes, thank you, Javette. Um, Do we even think? So you're ripping that away from them. What opportunities are you gonna put in place? We already know the struggles on TikTok when it comes to certain demographics, certain communities. There are struggles. You have people who create great content and their content is stolen or used and other people get the credit. And the ones who did the um, creation are not compensated accordingly. We know that exists. We know that people have their content suppressed because TikTok did come out and admit that they have people Who determine it's not the algorithm but it's people who determine what gets pushed so that's another factor and now you're gonna take it take it just take it all away don't throw it all away i don't want to be the one who's gonna have to beg you to stay it's a shame when are we gonna care about folks but um We don't care, and we'll never care because we just spoke about abortion, right? Roe versus Wade. It's International Women's Day. It is Women's History Month. And yet our voices don't matter. Such a shame. Such a shame. (sighs) six unusual ways lazy people are boosting their bank account if you're lazy like me let's see what we can do to make some money to boost up our accounts feel like your bank account is draining week after week don't worry we've all been there and we're here to help you know you ever check your account and see that negative and you're like ah good the negative is still there good ain't nobody trying to do anything on your account oh by the way a particular bank whose logo is the horse and carriage uh they have a new thing where you get 24 hours to keep your account in the negative clear it up in 24 hours and they don't charge you that od
12: fees they're gonna rob you anyway don't don't that horse and carriage bank. don't go there
13: <laughs> chase already do that <laughs> them lit. <late. laughs>
1: Well if you're doing it in a horse and carriage, what you expect? They're gonna be late. (laughs) Chase, look at the name, Chase. (laughs) They cut to the chase, they got to it before everybody else. The horse and carriage, yeah! Still going through the run. Wow, wow, what? Snail mail, what you (laughs) expect? gosh. Yeah, but anyway.
12: More rum cake in the morning for women. moment. More rum cake
2: <laughs> yes! in the morning.
1: I'm gonna buy some more. <laughs> oh my gosh, so here's what we can do. Cancel your car insurance. <laughs> Hold on a second. Am I reading this right? We've got bad news. You could be wasting $500 every year on overpriced second-rate car insurance as... <laughs> And you should probably cancel your existing insurance right now because there is something much better. There's a new tool from Finance Buzz that can tell you if you're overpaying for your car insurance in just a few clicks. So check that out, all right? Another one, stop overpaying when you're shopping online. Oops, I'm so happy this one came up because just over the weekend, as we were walking through Sawgrass Mills Mall, all right. Went up to Fort Lauderdale. Had to do some stuff. So I said, hey, let's stop in Sawgrass Mills. Haven't been there in forever. Years. No lie. And as I'm walking through, I said to Marlon, I said, Marlon, you know, I can't blame companies for closing out their brick and mortar stores and going online. Because it's a win-win for them. They don't have to pay rent and that huge overhead, you know, employees and insurance and, you know, everything that goes with a brick and mortar location. And nine times out of 10, when you purchase something online and it doesn't fit or you don't like it, are you returning it? How many of us have things that we look at and say, oh gosh. Or can't be bothered to make the trip to the post office or by the time you get a chance to go to the post office or drop shipment point to send it back the time has passed how how many of us has that happened to guess who wins the online person the online company is a win-win it's a win it's a win-win for them a win is a win
10: yeah, mo- moments. <laughs> the, the, the confusing thing to me with the online is that we see that we live in a world now where we're going green and I'm not sure like, <laughs> I know where you're headed, go ahead <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure, like I'm sat down to do the pros and the cons to see like if it's really an advantage or a disadvantage in terms of um you know emissions and stuff like that, but when you look at for example, Amazon like, I would add up I would order a pen from Amazon and it come in a box that look like a TV isn't it <laughs> you know <laughs> so like, yeah no like so you wonder like it it seem like counterproductive like we're trying to go green but yet still we're we're you know <laughs> messing up the planet still so we're taking away plastic bags going into recycle stuff but the boxes um <laughs> that these um
15: companies are like
10: and the plastic, you know, James, the plastic. And, and the plastic bubble thing that goes in it too. So I, I'm not sure. I'm confused.
15: And don't forget the sweatshop labor, the warehouses.
10: That part. There was a time.
1: And y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. But there was a time when online shopping was for specialty products. Those exclusive products that are good products. Really good products. For example, you want that good body oil I could only find it online because that's where Tasha is that's where she has her lower male products right I am here you know I give it another 20 years I have a feeling that things are gonna shift I think things are gonna shift you know kind of like how they recycle certain styles like washout jeans you remember washout jeans from the 80s or what we used to call acid wash jeans how those came back neon colors those came back I have a feeling it's gonna come back it's just a matter of time when people start doing the math and realize whoa hold on I have a thousand dollars worth of stuff sitting over there that I can't wear that I ordered online and the time has passed for me to send it back multiply a thousand dollars by a hundred thousand people how much money that is
12: not a million add zeros I don't know (laughs)
1: A hundred thousand customers times a thousand dollars. Um, that gives us one hundred million dollars. So if I am selling something and one hundred thousand people spend a thousand dollars with me and only and only say twenty percent return something, I'm making a killing. The other eighty percent said I can't bother. I'm making a killing. Yeah, mom, one one of the
10: others. One of the other thing, why you know, like everything that we see as good and convenient, you know, it, it has a negative impact to it also. Because one other thing that I'm I'm noticing, you know, and the pandemic might have pushed it along too, is that when I just moved to Toronto like some twelve years ago, and, and traveling here before that, fifteen years ago, when you go into certain community, like downtown or uptown or midtown, um, small business was like the driving force like every you could walk like for like an hour, you could get a pizza here, you could get like some coffee there from a local coffee place, you could get a lot of stuff. I'm driving around last week and I'm looking and Toronto, which is one of the most thriving cities in the world, looked to me like when I visited Detroit after the the, the whole um, car um industry like collapse, where you see like empty storefront everywhere and i'm looking around and i'm seeing like massage parlors barbershops tattoo places um specialty like wedding um garment places but all of the other small businesses completely demolished like restaurants are closed small boutique stores are closed like um everything is like i would say like within the past 12 years or so about 50% Of some of the small business, I'm not even exaggerating. Mm -hmm. Empty stores, all around the city, and it's not like it's a thriving city. But the small businesses are being crushed, and I don't know what's going to happen.
1: Wow. All right. Go ahead, Donald.
15: Go ahead. That's a very valid point, Mm -hmm. um, James. And as we see, not only the online, the places like the Walmart the chain stores, they go into this local community and they displace five, six, seven, ten mom and pop stores. Mm-hmm. Many of these mom and pop stores might have one employee or two employees, but they've been servicing the community for a long time. They, they sell local products. There is a local industry going on at the microeconomic level. These chain stores come, they set up. And what happens is when it's not profitable for them, or they can't get enough return for the investors, they, they pack up shop and leave. But you already decimate the entire local economy, and then you leave. So you have these ghost tongues being created when there is nothing happened because half the tongue worked for Walmart, and they pulled out. So these are the kind of things you see happening. And we'll have to revisit that model.
1: Yeah. Thank you, James. Thank you, Donald. Okay, here's another one. Earn $200 cash rewards bonus with this incredible card. The horse and carriage cash card. (laughs) There's a credit card that's making waves with its amazing bonus and benefits. Uh, The horse and carriage cash card, active cash card rates and fees has no annual fee and you can earn $200 after spending $1,000 in purchases in the first three months. So that's another way to boost up your account. The card also offers an intro APR of 0%. For 15 months from account opening on purchases and qualifying balance transfers. After that, though, pay attention. You know you have some people that go from card to card to card, right? Because as soon as the, the, um, the window is about to close, they move on to another card. They take advantage of the perk there. Uh, because after that, it goes to 19.49%, 24.49%, or 29.49% variable. So imagine, folks. You put $20,000 in the bank to save, and they're making that off of your money because they're lending it out. And how much am I you? Anyway, ask this company to pay off your credit card debt. If you have a lot of debt, getting out of it can feel stressful and nearly impossible. Here's the problem. The longer you put off tackling it, the harder it gets to fix. If you don't take control of it early on, it can add undue stress to your life for years. But what if there was a way to get out of debt once and for all? Well, there is. National Debt Relief could help. If you have more than $10,000 in debt from credit cards, medical bills, collections, or personal loans, their representatives might be able to assist you in consolidating your debt into one low monthly payment. Best of all, there are zero fees until your debt is resolved, and you could be debt Free in 24 to 48 months. The next one, eliminate your late tax debt. Each year, IRS give, forgives millions in unpaid taxes. If you have more than $10,000 in tax debt or have three plus years of unfiled taxes, you could get forgiveness too. You might be eligible to lower the amount you owe or eliminate your tax debt completely check out easy tax relief all right so you want to go there not everyone is going to qualify to take advantage of the special program you must owe more than ten thousand dollars in past due taxes all right so want to share that Uh, number six pay no interest until december 2024 imagine getting 21 billing cycles with 0% interest on a balance transfer or a big purchase. Sounds great, right? You could dramatically change your financial picture with this industry-leading low-interest credit card called the Bank of card Credit Card, all right? So there are some options that you can uh, figure out to help boost your account, make your account look a little better. You know, if you're accustomed to seeing only $100 in your account, you might now start to see $500 in your account, a little Ray of hope for some of us. All right, next up. Did I read this one already? Please tell me I read this one. The one for White House back in the bill to allow ban on Chinese on TikTok. Did I read this one already? Uh huh. Okay, good. Thank you, Sade. Too much rob in the morning. <laughs> okay, in health and <laughs> in health and science news, folks. FDA is saying there are two more eye drops brands that have been recalled due to risks. Uh, for my folks on Clubhouse, let me go ahead and pin the link at the top of the page because this is extremely important just in case you use them or you know anyone who uses them. Uh, Boom, Go here, go there, remove that, put that, and update link. Here we go. Okay. So, U.S. officials are alerting consumers about two more recalls of eye drops due to contamination risks that could lead to vision problems and serious injury. The announcements follow a recall last month of eye drops made in India that were linked to an outbreak of drug resistant infections. One person died, and at least five others had permanent vision loss. There's no indication the latest recalls are related to those products. So what are they? Um, Pharmedica on Friday said it is recalling two lots of purely soothing 15% MSM drops. All right. Due to problems that could result in blindness. So again, purely soothing 15% MSM drops. All right. Pay attention, check your medicine cabinets, check your bathroom counters, check your cosmetic pouches, wherever you keep these things, check them, all right? The Phoenix-based company said consumers should immediately, right now, this minute, stop using the drops and return them to the place they were purchased, okay? The other one, uh, Apotex, A-P-O-T-E-X, is recalling six lots of prescription eye drops used to treat a form of glaucoma the company said it launched the recall after finding cracks in some bottle caps all right so again this one is from apotex they're recalling prescription eye drops used to treat a form of uh, glaucoma they were sold between april uh, last april through february of this year and um, the drops for the apotex company distributed as Brimonadine, tartrate, ophthalmic solution, fifteen percent. Okay, that's a tongue twister for me. Okay, so check your um, check your products, check your stuff, check what you got. All right, get rid of them. Also, in health and science news, why vinegar is so good at cleaning. I think it's the best thing you can use to clean your home. It's new, you know, it neutralizes odors, clears blocked, clogged drains. Yeah, vinegar is a staple in housekeeping hacks and cleaning tips. BBC Future looks at why it might just be the most useful product in your pantry. All it took was some white vinegar, a rubber band, and a Ziploc bag. Within 25 minutes, the lime scale encrusted onto a metallic bathroom tap had become so soft, it could simply be wiped away with a toothbrush. The hack is part of a viral trend on social media, hashtag clean talk, involving online gurus sharing simple tricks with satisfying payoffs as dirt is erased to reveal sparkling surfaces. But though there are Thousands of commercial cleaning products out there, many influencers choose to use vinegar from degreasing windows to washing strawberries or transforming toilets. It seems there is nothing this household ingredient can't do. It's being added to dishwashers, hair, hair, washi- washing machines, hair, hair, and even used by scientists to disinfect labs. But what makes it so versatile? Vinegar is made via a two-step fermentation process. First, carbohydrates of any kind are fed to yeast cells, which turn their sugars into alcohol and carbon dioxide. This alcohol is then exposed to oxygen and fermented again, this time with the bacteria acetobacter or acetobacter instead of yeast. And voila! The alcoholic liquid is turned into a mixture of water and acetic acid. It's awesome, folks. Use it to wipe down your refrigerators. Your You know those glass shelves will look sparkling brand new. Use it to wipe down your kitchen faucets, bathroom faucets, door handles. they made make them really shiny. If you have glass shower doors, after you scrub them off with a little Dawn um, degreaser or detergent, because you know soap has the grease in it, scrub them down. Spray with vinegar and it helps to repel soap suds for a little while. Okay. Your bathroom mirrors, um, your kitchen counters, your tiles, everything. Vinegar to everything. <laughs> so that's your you're killing me. So that you're killing me. But yeah. It's and it's natural. Failing vinegar if you have some white rum, run with that too.
12: I checked out when you said um when you said the bag with the the water with the vinegar in the over the head uh-huh. and you can wipe it away with a toothbrush, because who <laughs> wipes things with the toothbrush?
1: toothbrushes? Scrub is what you should have said right
12: there. Sorry,
1: <laughs> it, 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 you know it's the people. What is this? BBC do better, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. No, you're I'm fine. No, listen, you're fine. You're fine. It's good to pour vinegar down your, um, f- your drains, your bathroom sinks, your kitchen sink, pour it in your dishwasher, pour it down your toilets. Go right ahead. Go ahead. Who was that, Donna? No, oh, James.
2: James.
10: Yeah, I was going to say, like, in, in every household, you should have a bottle of white drum and, and a bottle of vinegar, and you're good to go. Like, if you're stuck on an island... Uh, you don't have anything else, you need those two and you're good. can do anything with them. True. And Javette also put in the chat,
1: alcohol, rubbing alcohol. That's good to have too.
10: Yeah, because rum, rum, you can catch fire with you, take out fire with it, get you, take <laughs> not
1: You said just light the fire. And yes, Javette, baking soda. Always have some baking soda in your house. If you want to clear a clogged drain, pour that baking soda and some vinegar and let it sit for a while. Oh yeah. Mhm. Mhm. And baking soda is good to brush your teeth. It that's another one. Oh my gosh. Listen, so many natural products out there we don't have to be inhaling these chemicals all the time. All right? So So according to a study, diabetes and obesity are on the rise in young adults story courtesy of npr.org oh boy we need to control that that but sugar is in everything everything and salt diabetes and diabetes i'm calling it diabetes that's probably a new name if someone has both right if they are diabetic and are obese diabetes okay pay me out. diabetes and obesity two risk factors for heart disease are on the rise among young adults in the U.S., according to a newly published study of about 13,000 people ages 20 to 44 years old. The prevalence of diabetes climbed from 3% to 4.1%. Obesity shot up from 32.7% to 40.9%, based on the study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association on Sunday, which uses data from 2009 to 2020. The results show a high and rising burden of most cardiovascular risk factors in young U.S. adults, especially for Black, Hispanic, and Mexican-American individuals. That's according to the authors Rishi Wadhera and Rahul and Robert of Harvard Medical School. The authors of the study said their findings highlight the need to step up public health and clinical intervention efforts that are Focused on preventative measures for young adults. Here's a easy um here is an easy fix, uh, government, US government. Some of the money you're sending to Ukraine, if you'd be so willing to give every US citizen who earns below, let's say a hundred thousand dollars, four hundred dollars a month, or um resident, everyone who you know contributes to the economy, give them four hundred dollars. It would help offset the expense add to the um supermarkets because the truth is people are left to make a choice a harsh decision it's a hard choice to have to make do i buy something that is going to keep them full or do i buy something where in two hours they're going to poop it out and be hungry again and unfortunately folks have to go with what makes sense to their pockets they bulk up their families on pasta rice Flour, and I, I know of from flour, it's a, but you know, us Jamaicans, you know what I mean, right? Caribbean people, when we take the flour and we make dumpling and roti, we're bulking up and then we say, eat the dumpling and drink some water, make your belly swell, say so you're not know, hungry again. Unfortunately, the, the rice and the flour, the byproducts of flour, it's turning into sugar in our bodies. But it's the choice where we, we have no choice. Because it's what you have done to us. We we can't afford the grocery bill. We want to buy more fruits. We want to buy more vegetables. But it goes through our system really quickly. So we recognize that there is an issue. But what is the um, government going to do now that they have this information? How are they going to make sure that we can afford to purchase more healthy food? And not that even if you go whole foods, you, you know, chemical, are kill we anyway. But at least we don't have to worry about the diabetes and the high blood pressure because of um, sugar and salt. And they tend to go hand in hand. Yes, we say get out there more, uh, you know, get out there and exercise. I agree. We need to do more of that. We don't even have to talk. that. Go
10: ahead, go ahead, go ahead, James. Yeah, what, what's interesting is that, like, a, a lot of these stuff, like, you know, water is, 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 like, you know, like a solution to help with a lot of these stuff because the rule that you drink, um, like, uh, seven um, cups of water per day, like, is something that really works because, like, the, the idea is that, like, when you, when you urinate, it's supposed to be water. You know so like um and in north america we don't drink we don't drink water like we drink vitamin water we drink all of these other stuff we drink coffee we drink thing but if you if you get like seven glasses of water like and just drink and when you go to the washroom and 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 it's it's like clear then you know you're helping to to to, to preserve your body in terms of um some of these like you know because like i love coffee and i love my coffee with like lots of sugar and stuff like that but i know that okay like if i'm gonna drink coffee and it's kind of difficult in the winter because like in the in the winter i don't my body's not calling for water as much but i force myself to to drink a lot of water to kind of offset you know the other stuff that i'm putting in my body so i think we need to go back to to drinking more water and yeah like and the thing is too like it's not only people that can't afford healthy food that's eating drunk It's just that because in North America we live in such a fast-paced society like we're making good money but we're we're you know leaving work picking up the kids doing this doing that so we just drive past you know Burger King or McDonald's and pick up some junk food and just throw it on our kids and you know it's not healthy you know so
1: we said we want the easy life right we want the soft life Go ahead, go ahead. Who's that? Uh President,
7: yes. go right ahead. Yeah man. So I mean in addition to what Jamie said, um I also think it's a case where um I don't think people value their health um enough until it's you know, it reached to a dire a dire point. Um because, you know, you it's not it's not as if you know certain information uh, regarding you know how to maintain your health and you know but in terms of really and truly valuing it I think people just live you know in the mindset of basically just living in the moment thinking that you know they have forever to live and you know it's it's as if they're thinking that all right nothing is happening to me now so you know I can keep on consuming this and uh, I should be fine um and not understanding that, you know, everything that happens within the body accumulates over a period of time. So what you're doing now you're not you won't necessarily see see it happening until within probably a couple of years time. And it was so interesting, I had a conversation with a, a colleague of mine and we're saying that it's it's sad to say but based on the way things are now you may see a rise in just health issues within the next 10 to 15 years, right? Um, Increasingly, um, you know, exponentially, just based on how you're seeing, you know, the consumption of, you know, the the sugary substance and the junk food. And of course, you know, people are just not necessarily... Um, intentionally taking their health into um, into their hands. And, you know, it's it's sad to say, but, you know, I mean, I think everybody has a mind of their own and, you know, everybody should have a basic understanding of how their body operates or try to understand how their body operates and what steps they would need to take in to ensure that, you know, they take care of themselves,
2: yeah.
7: right? Um, You know, for me, especially, I mean, I have two sons and, you know, that's one thing I try to instilling them from you know early age one and three yes but one thing i don't play around is like you know sugar and then for me it's just the observation of it as well it's not just to say okay yeah i don't want to give them sugar but it's seeing how they react when they get sugar so you, you, you ever see like uh you know well i'm never yet see like um somebody that that that's a um that they consider to be a crackhead or whatever right um a drug jog um Joe we call it drug addict, right, mm-hmm. so you know when you see a drug addict and say for example, they're going through what they call a withdrawal stage, and you know it's it's it it becomes extremely hard for them to stay away from you know that particular drug. It is the same exact way I've seen <laughs> um or observed you know just by observation for me when I see when you know I take away candy from the kids or say for example um you know. Like, I would give them as, like, a treat, very minimum, right? And, you know, only do that because, you know, um, you know, just because I'm trying to just, you know, appease them with certain things. But in just seeing how they react, right, it's almost as if to say they're about to to lose their mind (laughs) because they're not getting this piece of candy. So I'm saying, so so in seeing that and and realizing that, okay, this can't be normal. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I mean... Reacting this type of way because you don't get a piece of candy. It cannot be normal.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: So in realizing that, I say, no, man, this thing, right? So that even encouraged me more to say, okay, no, this cannot be a part of your daily diet. It right. just can't. Right? Because it becomes even harder when they grow and, and you try to remove that from them. It's best to even, you know, and for me, it's like, you know, if I don't eat it, I don't expect them to eat it as well. So yeah. it's really... T- an intentional um, approach to it.
1: All right. Thank you so much. I have to play this next audio clip. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Experts weigh medical advances in gene editing with ethical dilemmas.
4: Scientists, bioethicists, and patients are coming together in London for the third international summit on human genome editing. They'll debate and maybe make recommendations about new gene editing
14: technologies. NPR health correspondent Rob Stein has the story. The last time the pros and cons of gene editing came up for formal debate, a Chinese scientist named He Zhang Kui dropped a bombshell. He had created the world's first genetically modified humans.
9: Two beautiful little Chinese girls named Lulu and Nana came crying into the world as healthy as any other babies a few weeks ago.
14: Hu Xiong Kui's actions were condemned as irresponsible and unethical, but in the five years since that stunning announcement in Hong Kong, scientists have quietly continued to hone their gene-editing skills. A lot has happened over the last five years. It's been a busy period. Robin Lovell-Badge from the Francis Crick Institute in London led the committee convening the new summit. The number of clinical trials involving genome-editing has gone up enormously in those last five years. So we're having a lot more experience of how to do it and how it might work. Various techniques have been developed and improved substantially. So, you know, there's a lot of new stuff. Doctors have made dramatic advances using the gene editing technique He jun used, known as CRISPR, to treat many diseases. Scientists have learned more about the risks of gene editing, while also developing more sophisticated techniques that could be safer and more precise. Jennifer Doudna at the University of California, Berkeley, is one of CRISPR's pioneers.
1: We're at an exciting moment, for sure, with genome editing. At the same time, we certainly have
9: challenges.
14: One big challenge remains whether scientists should ever again try to make gene-edited babies by modifying the DNA in human sperm, eggs, or embryos. That could help families that have been plagued by devastating genetic disorders. But the fear is a mistake could create new genetic diseases that could then be passed down for generations, becoming a permanent part of the human gene pool and about opening a slippery slope to designer babies. Marcy Darnovsky heads the Center for Genetics and Society in San Francisco. If we were to allow parents to genetically modify their children, we would be creating new groups of people who were different from each other biologically, and some would have been modified in ways that are supposed to enhance them, and they would be unfortunately, I think, considered an enhanced race, a better group of people. And I think it could really just supercharge the kinds of inequities that we already have in our world. But some say the debate over the last five years has shifted from whether the taboo on inheritable genetic modification should ever be breached to what technical hurdles need to be overcome to do it safely. And doctors are asking which diseases they should try to eradicate from families. The subject of genetically modifying embryos, sperm, and eggs is the focus of only one of three days of the first summit since the CRISPR babies. Sheila Jasanoff is at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government this is quite an ironic outcome. I mean, so instead of rejuvenating the calls to say we should
1: be much more careful, it was as if the whole scientific community
14: heaved a kind of sigh of relief and said, well, look, of course there are limits. This guy has transgressed the limits. He's clearly outside the limits. And therefore everything else is now open for grabs. And therefore the problem before us now is to make sure that we lay out the guidelines and the rules. That way of talking about making genetic modifications that can be inherited Critics say could encourage others to rush ahead prematurely and again try to make more gene-edited babies. Even now, He Zhang Kui appears to be trying to rehabilitate himself after serving a three-year prison sentence. He set up a new lab in Beijing, is promising to develop new gene therapies for diseases like muscular dystrophy. He declined requests from NPR for an interview, but here's a bit from one of his recent lectures he posted online. CRISPR gene? He's not talking about creating more gene-edited babies. Still, his activities are raising alarm. The only public regret he's offered is that he moved too fast. Here's Robin lovell again from the Francis Crick Institute. I'm concerned. Do you really want someone like this who has already shown that he can do science in a bad way, deal with patients in a bad way, really I'm not speaking very clearly because I obviously you can tell I'm a little um, angry about this I'm surprised that he's he's being allowed to practice science again but Badge and other organizers of the summit dispute criticisms that scientists are assuming gene-edited babies are inevitable and that the summit is shortchanging a debate about the ethical and societal landmines. The summit's dedicating the last day of the meeting to genetic modifications that can be passed down through generations, featuring scientists as well as a broad array of watchdog groups, patient advocates, bioethicists, sociologists, and others. The summit's focusing the first two-thirds on gene editing to treat diseases in people already born because that's already a reality and raising its own concerns, they say. Françoise Baylis is a bioethicist at Dalhousie University in Canada who helped plan the summit.
1: We're not moving away from the conversation
14: around heritable human genome editing, but we are trying to shift some of that focus. And I think really important in this context is the issue of cost because we have been seeing gene therapies come onto the market with million-dollar price tags. That's not going to be available to the average person. Especially in poor countries where some of the new genetic therapies are needed most. So it's clear that the London Gene Editing Summit has a lot of tough issues to grapple with. Rob Stein, NPR News.
2: Oh,
1: boy. Designer babies. That's the way we're headed. So while we can look at the benefits that can come from this, we also have to be very careful how some will use this, right? Let me do my on-air wrap-up. Thank you, Javette. Let me do the on-air wrap-up, and I'll be right back to continue the conversation. Coffee in tow. Bye. Thank you to everyone that logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com and Janoradio.com. Of course, I have to give a big thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. After all, this is where the conversation happens. Thank you for the great conversation, shared views, varying opinions, and always interesting perspectives. To my listeners online, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, right here on Coffee and Toe, World News on the Go. Today was hashtag WCW. We celebrate women, and today we celebrated Celia Cruz. This was a Moments With Me media production. And this is Moments With Me signing out of QMZ Radio and No Radio.